business partner, one of my best friends. Um, how else would you describe yourself, Brent Stepanek? Brent Spud oh, Stepanek. No, loyal me. friend. Very loyal friend. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, you've been wanting to sit down and talk to me, even though we talk basically every day. Yeah. What do you want to talk about, Brent? We got a lot of things to talk about, Sandy. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about where you came from, where you grew up. Because yeah. what I know from you is that you grew <clears throat> up. Um, I know a little bit more about your family now, obviously. But yeah. I know that you were a Jefferson guy. I was mm -hmm. a Jefferson guy, but mm -hmm. I, I never met you. No. We never crossed paths. So tell the people that are listening where you came from. Well, I grew up in Cedar Rapids, and I was uh, uh, went to Jefferson, graduated in 2001 after high school. Coaches recruited me pretty good out of Coe College. I was going to wrestle and play football there. And um, uh, college, <laughs> me sitting in the classroom, it's hard enough sitting in a podcast for a couple hours, in a classroom all day is just not my speed. And uh, I, uh, was I was coaching wrestling, had to get my grades up, was going to go to co and wrestle and play football. I was blessed enough to be able to play both sports there. And um, I met a recruiter, Army recruiter, mm -hmm. uh, Sergeant Marvin. I'll never forget him. And uh, he said, hey, you're a wrestler. Why don't you uh, try out for the All-Army wrestling team? I'm like, well, how do you do that? He's like, well, we're going to we'll, – we'll sign you up for the Army. Well, he duped me is what he did. Well, they're recruiters. <laughs> That's what they're supposed oh, to man, do. Oh, man, did he dupe me. They dupe you left yeah. and right. But you know what? It ended up being a blessing. But I uh, – <laughs> Went in the army. Uh, I knew nothing about the army, and uh, I just knew I was a hard charger wrestler, and I wanted to wrestle. and And uh, he's like, uh, "We go down to Meps, down in Des Moines, or over in Des Moines, and they go, uh, what job do you want to do?'" I'm like, "Energize." I'm like, "Earrings, tongue earring, cartilage, I'm a nipple full piercing." Full rebel. Oh, just full rebel. Pretty boy necklaces. It was in sync back Shooting street power days. dubs left oh, and man. right. The good old days. Drinking Mountain Dew, He's kicking still ass. Up. Still living in the old um, days. Back in 82. So I <laughs> I go there, and uh, they're like, what job do you want to do? I'm like, man, give me the baddest job there is. Give me the job that keeps me in shape for wrestling. And he goes, okay, infantry. Infantry. There you go. And uh, had no idea what the infantry was. I said, well, what is it? And he goes, you run around in the woods and blow up shit. I was like, sign me up. I'm ready to go. And uh, Or the front lines of a war zone. Yeah. Well, I didn't know that. And uh, well, I was pissed off at my wife, Jasmine. I'm like, we're done. We broke up. I'm like, I'm out of here. I'm done. I'm done. I'm out of here. I took off uh, three weeks later. Getting off the bus in Fort Benning, Georgia. I'll never forget it. Uh, duffel bag. I get off. And I mean, they're just screaming at you, Keone. They're like, get off my fucking bus. Get off the just Like, what in the hell did I get? I'm looking for a wrestling room. Like, Shot I have treatment. no idea what the hell's about to right. happen. <clears throat> um, went through basic training. Excelled big time. I, I just, something about working out hard. And, and uh, God, I just got Being off challenged, on yeah. Loved it. I, I, I got off on people breaking. Like, never done, hardly done push-ups in their life. And it was just a big wrestling practice for me. How long was basic? Oh, Eight weeks. Here. Oh no, it was basic in the AIT for the infantry, and that, there's where the argument is about the Marines and the Army is what is better. <clears throat> Army all goes through infantry training. Uh, Army somewhat does, but then they go into their Pacific jobs afterwards. And uh, I, uh, um, so I was 16 weeks from May mm. to August. 
I mean, it was kind of an all-star cast down there. It was Pat Tillman was down there when I was down there. Mm -hmm. Um, And we had, uh, it was, I I excelled. I loved it. I had a great time. Um, uh, Never experienced anything like that in my life. Um, I ended up coming out. I got the highest uh, PT score, which is your physical test coming out. I think I went in at 205, came out at a lean 164. Uh, my height six two. Just strips weight off, huh? Oh man, I but I would I just like so there'd be the your average soldier would get through the day. There was a group of us. Well, if you're there, this is before cell phone. We didn't, I mean that's before cell phones, but that wasn't a big thing. We had to write letters. I just found all my letters I wrote to my wife. Mm-hmm. Man, my spelling and punctuation. Let me tell you, it's, it's really com- come a long way. I, <laughs> nah, I don't know about that, but I don't either. Comical, <clears throat> but um, so there was a group of us that all got together. And, uh, um, and we, so we'd go through our training throughout the day and then we'd have like, we get back, I don't know, five, six o'clock after chow and we'd come, we'd come back to the barracks. We'd work out again. And it was just like a a constant workout. I I just, I thrived. Competitive nature. Oh, I loved it. And it was like, so we ended up going our final uh, physical fitness test. Well, I scored so high. We had what was called extended scale back then. 300 was a perfect score. Ended up like a 320 right out of basic training. Uh, Believe it or not. I was 164 pounds. Um, I ran an 11:42 two mile, and my push-ups and sit-ups were through the chart. And I ended up getting, uh, um, end up getting the highest PT score. Which something you probably don't know about me is, out of there, I had a chance to go. I can't remember if it's rip or rope, which is Army Ranger, mm-hmm. Army Ranger. So it was. Uh, I would have gone to a Ranger battalion right out of basic, airborne air assault Ranger right out of basic training. I got the opportunity. I was so in love. I wanted to get home, and it was because me and Jazz reconciled while we were in basic training. Sure, I had a chance to be an Army Ranger, and uh, I, uh, I turned it down to come home. Married the girl; it was worth it. Well, and you, uh, you never know what could have happened. If you well, yeah, blessing, everything's path. yeah, you absolutely. So, um, turned it down, came back, <clears throat> did forty-two days of uh, recruiting. Basically, spent forty-two days home. I remember basic training, they're like, uh, so-and-so, 101st, so-and-so, all these prestigious, uh, like 101st, 10th mile, all these prestigious ones. Stepotic, Alaska. And I'm like, what? Alaska? So I'm like, well, whatever. You know, now I'd love to go there, but I was like, that's bullshit. I don't want to go to Alaska. I'm like, who the hell Congratulations. Yeah. In Alaska. Yeah. Three of us, two of three of us went up there. Go up there. Um, I go up there. I check in my unit. And everything's going well. I, boy, I tell you, those guys, I love those guys to death. Uh, some of the best people I met were up there. Mm-hmm. And uh, my buddy Pierce, we, we connected really well. Sergeant Fon. I still talk to Sergeant Jessica. I talk to these guys still to this day. Yeah, I know. You're always telling me about oh, it. Oh, yeah. Yep. And uh, um, Pierce and I, we, <laughs> remember the first day I walked in there? We both looked at each other. We're brand new privates. We're like, what the fuck did we get ourselves into? We looked at each other, and we became, we became tight, tight as hell. You have and, to bond in those oh situations. Oh, boy, did we bond. Right? Yeah, like, we did a lot of dumb shit that, together. Because you're stressed out. You're yeah. new. You don't know what the fuck's going on. And then you got somebody there that, like, you can relate to. We're both privates right out of the ship you're, coming you're, in. You're yeah. fused because you're, like, you like have to have an ally. You know Absolutely. What I mean? Yeah. So I did that thing, and then I, um, I tried out. So I think, like, 400 people put in their application for the four – people, 400 people got accepted to the All-Army team um, for tryouts. And it was, like – it's like a reality show. He'd go there, he'd stay in the barracks, and it's like some of the top. You'd have to submit. It was like I had to get all my accomplishments, all that stuff from wrestling. 
And uh, it was Olympic-level wrestling. I mean, Daniel Cormier was there. Bobby Lashley. I mean, these guys trained at the OTC. Uh, Bobby Lashley trained at uh, the Army uh, with me. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dominic, some of the best wrestlers that have ever stepped foot on a mat were in there. And um, I made the team. It was five of us. Uh, Eric and Nick Frick out of Pennsylvania. Schwabenbauer. I think he was out of Pennsylvania. Yeah, was three Pennsylvania guys. Kenyatta Carter, who I wrestled in high school. And he did a little bit of MMA, too. Um, out of Waterloo. He's a great wrestler. Him and his brother, unbelievable wrestlers. And then me. First match I'm wrestling for the Army. Um, trained there, trained there, did a long time there. First match, I'm in University of University Nationals in Chicago, Harper College in Chicago. And I'm going there and I tore my cartilage in my ribs. It was brutal. It's, you ever had that injury before? Yeah. Oh, man. It's one of the worst. I've never had it since. Knock on wood. I've never had it since. I've had a lot of other injuries, but I've, not. I only had it one time and it yeah. wasn't bad, but like every time I moved, it felt like my mm. shit was ripping apart. So imagine that, right? But wrestling with them, though. So in freestyle, but you're familiar with freestyle. Yeah. Um, I got part, I got called for a part there. Uh, Stalling, uh, what is passive? I think is what they call it. Passivity. Yeah, passivity. So I go down, and uh, he goes to gut gut wrench me, and I knew it. So I did a crawl, crawl, stand up. When freestyle, you stay down, you fight it. But I knew if he got, it, I was gonna gut wrench me, and I would be tech fall. I remember doing a crawl, crawl, stand up. I went to do a, because he, he surprised him, so he tried to run me off the mat. And I went to do a stand up switch, and I shipped like Anderson Silva. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just my leg was just oh, it was brutal. It was horrible pain. Um, so I got kicked out of the, or, you know, so went through surgery. I was out in a, a boot for a year and two days. I had this idea of let's go to university or, uh, let's go to USA nationals in Las Vegas. <clears throat> I cut 33 pounds. I haven't wrestled for over a year, cut 33 pounds and flew myself to, you know how much I love to fly, uh, <laughs> flew myself to USA nationals in Las Vegas. I had met up some buddies there I trained with and, uh, uh, went two and two, two and two. Drew John Trench first match. What he gave Cal Sanderson one of his best matches. Mm-hmm. Um, drew him first round. What a tough guy from Lehigh University. And uh, ended up going two and two. Um, once I got uh, got back, I decided to do the army thing. It was time to do the army thing. And I started doing a little jujitsu. I did a couple <clears throat> army uh, army jujitsu tournaments. I just get off the plane and Sergeant Bacher was, uh, was a friend of mine. He was really into mixed martial arts. Also, and he's like, hey, you need to try this jiu-jitsu. And I'm like, well, it was Army Cabada. So I'm like, well, I, don't, I hated jiu-jitsu. I hate, like, I did not like it. And because uh, <laughs> it was a wrestling, it was the wrestler, the jiu-jitsu. Back then, it was a little different. I, I know all about it. Yep. So it's a sense of pride. It probably still is. It's ego. Bit. Wrestlers have Huge ego. ego. They, they do. Yeah. And, and I understand why they, they might maybe have to have that. You're going up against head-to-head. Yeah. Somebody who's trying to dominate. Yeah. You know? So oh, I, absolutely. I, I get it, but I also know that <clears throat> a lot of the best wrestlers on the mat are the most humble because they, yeah. they know what's up. Yeah. They know where they're at. They know absolutely. what the sacrifices are. And I think you change as you get older, obviously, a little bit. <laughs> yep. Um, and so uh, there was a po- it was a post-wide tournament. It's like a thousand, a thousand soldiers in this. No weight class. He teaches me a guillotine. Awesome. He teaches me a guillotine. But Blaine, I just told Blaine about this story. Blaine had no idea about this. I, I win the tournament, Kelly. I had no idea. I was just taking people down. I knew I could go mount, side mount. Sound familiar? Mm-hmm. Uh, mount, side mount, uh, guillotine. That's all I knew. That's all they taught me. Three moves in one day. 
and I racked up points, beat it, uh, everybody, and I pretty much submitted everybody. Ran into a kid that played Penn State at the fine, or he played football at Penn State. He was really into jujitsu. Um, I met him in the finals. Big guy, real big guy. I was wasn't that as big as I am now back then. Um, he, so I met him in the finals. I didn't know what the hell I was gonna do. It was like this guy knew jujitsu, <clears throat> so it was a big deal. I mean, it was a lot of people been gymnasium at uh, Fort Wayne, Fort Wayne, right, Alaska, and. Uh, um, I remember the first time he had a cross color choke on me. I didn't know what it was. So me trying to strongman it, I remember picking mm-hmm. him up and put him on the slammed him on the ground, and it just sunk in tighter. Somehow I got out of it. I don't know, but I ended up winning it by points, and uh, that's when I got a first taste of that. And then uh, ship out of Alaska. So there we go to Fort Polk, Louisiana, one extreme to the other. I did a couple more of those tournaments. I come back to. Uh, Come back to uh, Fort Polk. We go to Afghanistan. Afghanistan 0607. Well, when you're not out doing your missions, you're learning. You're learning. You know, you're weightlifting. You're doing whatever. Strongest I've ever been in my life was over mm-hmm. there. And um, and well, I met this guy. I can't remember his name, but he was a, a Cajun from Louisiana. Just small dude. Kind of reminded me of Dave the way he carried himself. You know, mm-hmm. just real, uh, just just real Southern, real just tough. He was a tough guy. You could tell. And uh, he's like, well, you ever tried boxing before? I'm like, I never tried boxing. So he teach me how to box a little bit. Give me the 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 gist. <clears throat> the, yeah. And so we leave for Afghanistan. I come back. I help process the army. I ended up seven years altogether. When um, you when you're on to Afghanistan, what did you were you involved in combat missions there? No. Oh yeah, I think we oh, did. You we, were? Okay. Oh yeah, we did a bunch of dump <clears> bunch <throat> of stuff over there. We've got, uh, um, yeah, infantry. But it's kind of a weird situation when we were in the. Uh, Afghanistan. We were relieving uh, a sister company of ours, and we always there was always a running joke. I couldn't handle the not knowing because we didn't have orders killing until we got on the plane, and it was like a sheet of paper. To Afghanistan. To Afghanistan. We're on a C one thirty. Like, are they are they punking us? Are we flying Figuring around? Figuring out what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we ended up landing in Afghanistan, and then um, Damn. yeah, yeah. Well, it was it was it was nuts. Was that plane ride like? Boy, that's why I have anxiety with planes, man. I bet I've heard oh, those helicopters, are scariest, planes, scary as hell. Oh yeah, they're uh, big commercial military. They, when you're young, you don't, you don't. How do I say this? You don't value life like you. No, you feel like you're immortal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you, all, everything's an adventure. You learned over there real quickly to value life. Yeah, real quick. How fleeting it is. Oh, it was. I, I'll never forget the first time I. It was a uh, RBG seven went through the. Uh, the it was a National Guard unit out of, I don't know, South Dakota or whatever. And it, what you saw, you you knew it was real. Like, that. that's when I realized that life was um, valuable. And I tell you what, there's a lot of soldiers been through a lot of stuff in their life. And uh, made, made my deployment look like cake. But yeah. I tell you, it's, you know, I had a, I saw, a, I don't know if it was a shrink or a therapist or whatever. And she's like, do you understand? Even like get ordered. She's like, Brent, that's not normal. That's not normal stuff. No, it's not. And it's really hard to like see soldiers I talk to nowadays. You know, vets we stick together, right? Mm-hmm. And just some of my buddies and that I served with, and it's not it's not normal. It's not normal to go through what they went through, what we went through. Well, it's no human yeah. beings aren't. <clears throat> I think like even when you think about tribalism, yeah, like tribal warfare, yeah, where people <clears throat> might get in stick fights and occasionally beat each other to death yeah. or spear each other. But mortars, yeah, bombs, yeah, tanks. People aren't people aren't designed 
to deal with that kind of shit on a ba- on a daily basis. And I think there's some people that thrive in it. Yeah. But I don't think there's anybody that escapes it. I don't. Th- I, I think that a lot of the soldiers, and this is just my opinion, the, there's a high suicide rate amongst soldiers Absolutely. because of the baggage that they carry back with yeah. them, the emotional yeah. baggage of what's going on. <clears throat> and it's like, <clears throat> you said you graduated in 2001. Yeah. So um, 2001 is a pretty important uh, year yeah. in American history. Did September 11th and emotional response from 11, September 11th lead you towards the military? Was that any deciding factor? Or were you just like, I want to wrestle? Because um, a lot of people did. A lot of people yeah. joined at that time because they were swept up in anger yeah. about what happened. Yeah. And it was like a, a motivator for them to go and enlist. So there was always a question in basic. Why'd you, soldier, why'd you join? Why'd you join? Mm-hmm. It's a beloved army. And <clears throat> I didn't want to tell them well. Technically, I was pissed off at my wife or my girlfriend at the time, and I said, "Screw you! I'm out of here!" Right? Because we were going through odds and ends, and I'm joining was, the army. I was being an idiot. I was partying. I was just. I just. Well, how old were you? Nineteen. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Twenty so, years ago, Keanu. Twenty years ago. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Uh, just being an idiot. Just an idiot kid. Nineteen years old, and uh, I was just doing the wrong things left and right. And uh, finding your way, though. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Ultimately, Final finding your. I always had a leader mentality. It just, uh, I didn't. Um, I felt like in high school, um, if my son hears this, do not take your dad's advice. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, do as I do, not as I. Yeah, yeah. Or wait, you learn your do lessons, I say, right? As I do, yeah. Um, I, you know, I went all the way through high school without smoking weed, drinking nothing. I was dedicated. When I tell you I was dedicated to sports. I was dedicated. It's my out. That's what I had in life. Right. You know, I didn't, wasn't uber book smart. <clears throat> I wasn't very street smart. I could hustle. I could hustle like crazy. Uh, just wasn't book smart. But I, I was a good athlete. Um, I wasn't great. I was good. Good enough to play D3. You mm-hmm. know, I just didn't have the confidence like somebody like my son and my daughter. And th- they've had the opportunities to, to what, what we develop over. Yeah. over and I just didn't yeah. have that. Um, if I had what they had, it might have been a different story. Um, and, uh, but I was D3 athlete. I was good. I would have been a good D3 athlete. So it was athletics that drew Yeah, you. it was athletics. And I heard I could wrestle. It, September, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that September 11th didn't play a role. You'll remember, my grandfather was, was in the Korean Soldier. War. Well, yeah. he was, and he was proud of it. And yeah. didn't talk much about it, but he was proud of it. And, and he was your, he was your role model. Oh, he's my hero. Right. Yeah. So, um, talk about growing up, uh, with Daryl. Yeah, talk about like um, just like where you who's little tiny Spud, who's who's uh, five or six year old Spud, and what's he up to? Well, five six year old Spud is a good question. I don't know. I remember those days, but uh, what's the earliest you remember? A seven, I think. Yeah, I bit some parts. Is um, I lived with my dad mm-hmm. for a while, um, and then <clears throat> him and my stepmom got divorced. Adam and Angie's mom, mm-hmm. and uh, they got divorced and. We moved in with my grandma and grandpa, and uh, he, I don't know how to explain the, the, that era of parent. It's uh, wild. They're wild. They're just, they're. They're a different breed. They are. I don't want to call them a, a bad, bad parents. They just, it just didn't, that wasn't their priority. Their priority was the 80s, man. Partying, having fun. Grandma and Ch- grandpa? No, I'm talking about dad. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, okay. like, just wild, having fun. Sure. So, we moved back in. <clears throat> he couldn't find, I believe he couldn't find work here in uh, 
Cedar Rapids, and we lived. We came. We moved back from Arizona, but I was born here. Lived in Arizona for a little bit, and then he said he was going to go back down. And he goes, I think I was seven years old when I said this. I still remember it was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. Uh, when my dad goes, um, he goes, Hey, I'm moving back down to Arizona. Do you want to come with me? You want to stay with Grandma and Grandpa? I said, Stay with Grandma and Grandpa. I couldn't imagine what my dad, how my dad felt. I imagine my kids trying to tell me that. That would be that. That's a, that's a hard pill to swallow. And uh, but it was probably, it was. The but best it thing might. For, but it might be the right thing. <clears throat> it, it it was the right thing. And uh, that would have been a lot of stress on a single dad and, and trying to find his way, too. And it might have been uh, worse for you. It might have been oh, for your would. development. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, who knows? Like, yeah. I think people overthink that. It gave hold. me structure. Yeah. It gave me structure. My grandma and grandpa took me in. I was close with them already, so I felt comfortable. Um, grandpa, uh, dude, what a hardworking guy. That's, you can talk about work ethic. And that's where I get it a lot of from. My whole family is a hard worker. My dad, my aunt, my grandma, like all of them. There are the whole damn family is great hard workers. They live for work. And um, but he sets the standard dude, for them, right? He set the standard. Forty-two years in the same job. Five days a week he missed, or five days in forty-two years he missed. Like he, that's he a, didn't miss yeah. work. That's old, and that is an old breed, like oh yeah, you know, depression <clears throat> era moving forward. Yeah. They, they just people aren't built like two that. Of the, two of the hardest guys I know, the hardest workers I know, are my dad or my grandfather and your dad. Yeah, I mean, really, they they're almost very similar. Yeah, they reminded me a lot of each other. Well, I think a lot of people from that generation. Yeah, they're just more, they're more resourceful, and it's yeah. kind of sad to yeah. see that generation passing away because. I feel like people, especially young people, are so disconnected and have oh. such issues communicating. Yeah. There are so many lessons. So many huge, important life lessons that people like your grandpa and my dad yeah. are aware of that they're not getting, yeah. that the younger generation just simply isn't getting. Like, we are losing them to time, and it's, yeah. it doesn't seem to be going in a really great direction. Yeah. You know? They're, yeah. We, we live in a, a society where people are get, everybody gets a medal and everybody gets a ribbon, and, and that's not the culture that those guys came from. Like, you lost. <laughs> I'll probably offend somebody when I say this, but... Those are real men. Yeah. And I feel like we've we, we've gone away from that. Um, well, well, masculinity is demonized a lot now. Yeah. Like, people is. think masculinity, yeah. there's actually people out there that, that purport that masculinity is a bad thing. And it's like, no, it's not. It's, no. it's half of what we are as a species. Yeah. But it's like these things like toxic masculinity. Well, um, I, I think we could use a hell of a lot more to be completely yeah. honest. I think it takes some bitch ass men to come up with an accusation like saying you have toxic masculinity. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. that could be Fair toxic enough. in yeah. itself. Yeah. But um, so uh, your grandpa passed away fairly recently, still. Yeah, He's about a year and a pr- half ago. Pretty fresh, yeah. still yeah. in the mind. Um, how did that change you? Because he was a huge piece of your life. He was a huge influence oh, yeah. in your life. He was a, in, involved in your kids' sports up till like the last days. Yeah. Um, how has your life changed or how, how has that event changed, uh, how you see life? I think it still is, man. Honestly, um, God, we lost both of our parents about the same time. Pretty close. Yeah. Within a year. So I seen you go through it and actually, I don't know if I ever told you this, but you were a huge part of my success getting through it because I'm like, I kept telling myself, dude, you called it day one. You told me exactly how I was going to feel. What emotions I was gonna go through. I was in a bad way, man. Like that's my hero, just yeah. like your dad. That's yep. that's, it's it's earth shattering. Oh man, I, I don't even know how to I don't know how to describe it. I still struggle with it. I really do. Yeah. 
And um, I watched you go through it. I picked your brain a lot. I picked your brain. It's, it's something that you dread. It's something you know it's coming. Yeah. I mean, he was eighty-eight killing. I mean, he, but this guy mowed his own yard. I mean, this is this is Daryl Stepanek through and through. Sure. He mowed his own yard. He, uh, Bo called him Superman because he did. I mean, you think about the shit he went through. He got. We, <laughs> we went to do a, a a garage sale. Somehow he gets meningitis. <laughs> sit on the couch, just like you know my grandpa. He's so he can't sit still. He, we're very similar, and he gets meningitis. He refused to go to the hospital. He finally does. He's down. He's like literally gonna die. We get him there. He's in. He's in ICU. He gets out. He is mowing his yard. This is all within like last two three years of his life. Mowing his yard. He trips over a shrub. And uh, gets pissed off. Finishes mowing his yard. Can't breathe. So they take him to the hospital. He broke like three ribs. He. I mean, it's just the. Shit, this guy has been through, and it, it's his whole life. Yeah. Um, he told me a story one time about the military, and it was like uh, he was a staff sergeant in artillery, and uh, he uh, he was they were done, they're they're getting ready to fly out or ship out, and uh, you know planes and shit, they were ships, and uh, he jumped in, he couldn't swim, believe it or not. Back then, he was a country boy, could not swim, which is crazy to think about, and he hit a, some type of hole, and it drug him in the water. It was a river. One of the soldiers jumped in saved his life when he was like seven Damn. years old he was riding his bike through the fields didn't, didn't realize there's a barbed wire cut his neck all the way through his dad you remember him telling me a story his dad um bought a brand new chevrolet that day and picked him a brand new fortune i don't know what the hell it was and put him in the car blood blood everywhere. all over the place damn they're dying from that and so this guy was like superman so when he came down and and um it was the weirdest shit that got him it was uh um he had three knee replacements he outlived mm -hmm. the other ones. And, it, and so he's going for his fourth one. He's 88, almost 89. Married to the same woman for almost 70 years. Which is wild. That's what I'm saying. Like, And he uh, he got um, uh, got an infection in his knee. So we got him in the hospital. He, everything was going. They gave him, hey, you want, uh, I think you call it sepsis. Sepsis shock. Sepsis, yeah. Yeah, so they gave him a picket a pick line or whatever. And they're like, uh, okay, well, you're going to have to go to, <laughs> he was pissed. Because he never wanted to be in a nursing home. But you're going to have to go to a rehab center. But it was easy. Don't call it a damn nursing home. You didn't want, you know, you know my grandpa, he's yeah. hard ass. And uh, he, uh, <clears throat> so he goes in there and I go see him. Time to, you know, like like almost every day. He was supposed to be in there for six weeks. And I said, Grandpa, he bitch. And he's like, this is what's going to get him. Grandpa's not going to get you. Fucking suck it up. Let's go. Like, I, I remind him the shit he's done in his life. And, um. Uh, so that Friday, I bring him kolaches every Friday or Saturday, right? Mm -hmm. um, he loved kolaches, especially his place in Ely. And um, well, are they the same ones you bring him yes. sometime? Yeah, I don't blame him. Yeah, he loved. It was like his, he's full blooded Czech, yeah. so it's like what his mom made, right? Sure. And so uh, I bring him to him, and he was sitting there. Guys, it was hard, so hard to see him in there. He's sitting at the table with another old fella, and, and he could just he just looked at me. He's like, "Don't put those in my room." I he goes, "I don't want nobody to steal them. Ain't nobody stealing your kolaches, pops." So I go in there and put him in there, and, and he comes, he's out of breath, killing me. Like, I'm like, what the hell? It's like, you're getting better. He goes, I don't, I can't breathe. So I sat him down, put him in his bed, tucked him in. He's like, I'm taking a nap. I said, okay, well, Blaine plays game tonight against Jeff. So let you know how it is. So I went to Jeff. Blaine goes to Prairie, his big rival. So he's like, I got to know how that game goes. I said, okay. So I'm thinking, like, I called Grandma right away. I said, somebody right with Grandpa. Like, some, it just is not right. 
She says, "All right, well, we'll be there in a little bit. I'll, we'll take it. We'll take a look at it." And um, I come back Friday night, and uh, I was like, a, "It was a 180." Oh, hey, how the game go? Like, just energized, excited, wanted to hear how Blaine did. Saturday, me, my buddy Walt, who I was in the army with, yeah, and Courtney went to that game at Penn State. Our buddy Anthony yep. gave us fifty yard line tickets, or yep. it was McGrath's tickets. 12 yards. I was excited about that. I said, well, didn't Walt's I go to that? Or was that no, the one it was before? Cor- Courtney went. Okay. You were the one before. Courtney okay. went to that one. And uh, we went. And then I, that's when I started getting text messages. And I had, you know, not a lot, a lot of people get an opportunity to say goodbye. But, yeah, he took a turn for the worst. End up having uh, end up having issues uh, with that um, infection. And that's what I ended up getting him. But I got to spend some top quality time with him. Thanked him for being an amazing grandfather. And uh, thanked him for... Um, uh, I think my exact words were, um, if I could be the half the man that you were to me and half the grandfather, I'll be successful. And thank you for being such an amazing person. That was the last thing I said to him. So that was it. It was tough, man. It was, uh, it was, it was tough. I spoke, I spoke at his funeral. How I did that, I got up at three o'clock in the morning. Something just hit me. I wrote a whole speech. I don't even remember it. There, that's. The, I feel the <clears throat> same way because uh, when Dad passed away. Like I, we found a way to get through it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. We just did because we had to, and you do. Yeah, but I didn't realize probably until I got like eighteen to twenty-four months through it mm-hmm. that I wasn't really through it, and that that this <clears throat> the, the twelve months following and the eighteen months yeah. following was just this hazy fog of shock. Yeah, where this huge influential person that's been there your whole life. Yeah. It's just gone. Yeah. Like that. And, it, it, you know, we, t- we've talked about this before. We talked about it before they passed away, yeah. even like when, you know, preparing for this type of thing. And, um, because they were so beloved, uh, you dread it. Yeah. You know, it's coming, but yeah. you don't know when it's coming yeah. and it doesn't matter how it comes. Yeah. Um, you just had a friend whose dad, uh, found out that they were, uh, really really sick yeah had really ex- uh, kind of uh, late stage cancer yeah. and it was just one week gone you know it, and he was like the childhood dad growing up right yeah, yeah. so it, as you get older i think you can relate that you see these people these influential people aging you see mm. these icons from entertainment and music yeah. starting to pass away and you start to become very very aware of your mortality but when you know, I've had people in my life die. Yeah. I've had uncle, uh, one of one of my uncles committed suicide. Like yeah. I've, you know, I've had people from the gyms commit suicide. Yeah. And people close to me. Yeah. Um, and they ch- they changed me. Each one of those gave me a little more perspective about life. Life. I know Seth um, specifically rocked me really hard. I know. And yeah. uh, that changed. That started changing my behavior. Yeah. But I was still kind of shitty. Yeah. Like I was still kind of a shitty person. I yeah. feel like, it, you know you're supposed to have integrity and I would have integrity in almost all situations, but not all situations. Yeah. yeah. Um, when my dad passed away in retrospect, I feel like there was the life up to when my dad yeah. passed away. And then there was immediately as soon as he was gone, yeah. there was a whole nother life and I had new responsibilities yeah. and I had new things that I had to take care of, like my mom and, yeah. and my family in ways that I didn't before. But um, like that, it, it was like a switch in me where I was like, wow, you're really a man now. You don't have any fucking choice. Oh, yeah. You can't slip up anymore. You know? Um, you're, yeah, you got a little different. I tell you what, when your dad died, that was a really, really, 
it was hard. Uh, I was close with your dad. Like, mm-hmm. and I, lo- I loved your dad. Your dad was a great guy, and he treated my kids really well. Treated my grandkids, and um, um, he was he was good. And I know what he meant to you and Eric. And, but watching you guys go, through, oh man, that was that was tough. Watching you guys go through that. I remember yeah. we were building this gym. Yeah, to, and um, you were building opened. this gym. I'd come in and supervise. Um, we were a week from opening. Oh man, yeah, we were, away. and it's like yeah. watching you try to get the detail. Man, I was so hard. Like I remember telling Jess, I was like, "What am I supposed to? What?" what I'm trying to keep like I want to keep my task, but I like dude, what the, I'd be a piece of shit if I said something to you. Well, and, like I, I, I mean, just like, was like, man, in, it was so hard to watch you there, do this. There was a lot of, I mean, there was a lot of moving parts to getting this <clears throat> place open. Oh, yeah. So I didn't really have time to mourn too much. Yeah. They, they buried Dad really quickly. That yeah. was kind of what his wishes and what my mom's wishes were. But uh, is that the Baha'i faith? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I had I still had to get the gym open. Oh, I had yeah, to get I it open. I had to get it open, yeah. and then. I started thinking about like if I was going to be able to continue to work at Aspect and I'm like at this point I just, you know, it, it, like all of that stuff happening was just a motivation to push forward yeah. but for months I was in a day I was in a day state where mm-hmm. you know, I think people that grieve can kind of relate to this but uh, I talked to you about these waves of grief that will come over you Yeah, you did, remember. Yeah. And at first they're super intense and like you, you, you don't forget about it, but you like distract yourself for like an hour or two and then boom, it hits you again, the reality of it. And it's, it's really deceptive grieving is because as time passes, you will convince yourself over and over that you, that you've grieved and that you've accepted it. You've come to terms with it. And then you'll just be sitting there and doing something, you know, of little significance, but something that reminds you of the, the mm. departed. Yep. And you, you might have a sudden flash or glimmer in your mind. Like I'm going to call grandpa and talk to him about the Iowa game. And then immediately you go, he's gone. It's funny you say that because my buddy, Craig, who just lost his dad, you know, Craig, yes. he was my boss at Kinsler and well, he's a childhood friend. I mean, yeah, you've known him for years. Yeah. And, years, yeah. and so, um, he just texted me before we started this podcast that his grandfather, who was my grandpa's, one of my grandpa's best friends. I was like, oh, shit, I better call my grandpa. Like, I mean, it's a year and a half now. It's yeah. fast. So it still happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, just, it's crazy. I will do, I swear to God, bro, everybody came out with damn grandpa songs, country songs, after my grandpa died. And that's <laughs> like, I'll be driving down the road here, stupid. Uh, my buddy, what did my buddy Something about a to? truck. In Journey of My Life by, by Jake Owen. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me, man. Like, And somebody's talking about some type of grandpa dying. I'm like, man, this is uh, that's the first time I think my kids really seen a hard side of me. Like, I was, I. Yeah. I, it, it don't make any sense, bro, because you, you think about this. Your grandpa's almost 89. Mm-hmm. Has had a great life. He was a part of his kids, his grandson he raised. And then my son and my daughter, and then he got to see Boston. Boston, yeah. What I think the significant thing, I think what was really cool, and I, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but what was really cool in both of our dads, your grandfather's uh, funeral was, is the gen. And I spoke about this. I remember talking to my grandpa's funeral. I just stopped. I said, "Look, I said, look at the generation. I noticed that just at your dad's dad's funeral too. He was sixty nine when grandpa's eighty eight. But but the generations that they had at their funeral, they touched a lot of lives." They did. And that, and that, ter- and that, and that, in their lifespan, um, there was young kids all the way to, you know, 
80, mm-hmm. 90 year old guy. And that was just crazy. Both, all their, both of their females. Which is a, which is saying something because I feel like a lot of people get old and as they age and their friends start yeah. passing away. Yeah. Um, I've been to, I've been to funerals of older people and they're just like, really sadly, there weren't that many people there. They've outlived everybody. Right. Yeah. Um, what a, what a strange place to be in, you know, to yeah. realize that. I think that's part of the humbling process of getting older. You see people that mean a lot to you leave Mm -hmm. and it just reminds you with the frequency that they leave that your departure date is arriving anytime, you know? Well, what's crazy. I think it's what's kicked me in the nuts lately is like, okay, now I'm starting to lose my buddy's dads, Mm -hmm. dads that I, I was close with and they're not that old. No. And like, I mean, my buddy, I mean, your dad was 69. Kevin and Craig's dad was 62. We ain't that far off, bro. That's what I'm saying. That's like, damn it. You're 40. I'm 39. It'll be just like that. And we'll be 60. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. And you know, it's, it's it's the parents now. (laughs) Now we're the old people now. Right. So I don't know if I'll ever really get old. The mature ones. Yeah. Well, I think with like modern technology, I'll probably stay alive till I'm like 100, 120. Yeah, I'm trying to get them to cryogenically freeze my head and then reattach it later. Whatever I got to do. You would. I would. I. I, Why? Why not? Let's throw it out there and see what happens. If I wake up in in 2049, here we go. Um, So uh, yeah, grieving is uh, especially when you're older. I mean, you're younger. You're immortal. Mm-hmm. which is why it's so tragic mm-hmm. when like we've seen people um, lose their lives and just for stupid reasons when oh, they're yeah. young, drunk driving, oh, shootings, yeah. all yeah. kinds of stuff. It, now, I don't know if you can relate to this, but the older I get, the luckier I feel that I made it yeah. through. I mean, especially you, you were in combat. Yeah. Like you were in a, a, a people talk about, Oh, I'm so lucky that I made it with all the trials and tribulations. Yeah. You were actually in combat yeah. with uh, your service. You didn't you go to Iraq as well? Afghanistan. So you're in Afghanistan the whole time. Yep. Okay. Okay. It was, bro. I tell you, man. I could. I we could spend three hours on a podcast on about my military career. Uh, Just a little snippet. I I I go to Alaska, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of circling back to that. I go to Alaska. I try out for the wrestling team. Make the wrestling team. Colorado Springs. I shatter my ankle. Get hurt. Go back to Alaska. Said fuck it. I'm gonna marry the girl that I've been with since I was 16 years old. (laughs) Fly home. Marry her. We tell nobody. I mean, her mom was there. I mean, we, oh my God, I'd kill my daughter if she did some shit like this. She probably will. Knowing Mia. Well. And uh, so I, uh, we fly, but we drive from, right? No, I flew back. She drove and then we, we bought a house. Everybody's pissed because I got married uh, without telling anybody. And, uh, but you know, you know. And uh, so you, we started living guys, a life in Alaska. You've been together for 22 years, Keone. 22 years. Just figure that out. 22 years. Not a lot of high school sweethearts these days. There I just t- isn't. No, it's, 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 it's I, yeah, no, there's not. I tell you what, man, marriage is tough. Yeah. It is so tough. We'll, we'll get there. Yeah, it is tough. So Let what were you going to, I'm sorry, I interrupted with that. Afghanistan well, story. then, you know, so I, I go to Alaska and I, I'm done wrestling. I did that whole thing. That's great. And then I go back to my job, my unit. Um, and uh, was it 172nd Striker Brigade? And uh, so I'm like, okay, well, my grandma and grandpa are getting old. I want to be closer to home. I was going to make a 20-year career out of this. I, w- I was fast-tracking. I made E6. I made E6 in, in four years. I mean, me and Pierce both did. We were side-by-side, promoted together. Um, I remember when I walked in the sergeant, uh, sergeant board, staff sergeant board, they asked me two questions, if I could kick this one guy's ass, which was a captain, and then they maxed me out. I, they never asked me about my job, nothing. I mean, like, we were squared away. We, we, we did what we were supposed to do. 
and I liked it. I was I was fast tracking very quickly. Fort Wayne, Alaska. We were supposed to go to Iraq, so but I was getting orders to go somewhere else, and uh, I picked Fort Riley, Kansas, because I wanted to be close to home. So I was like, you know what? I I, I was a sergeant, I think corporal yeah, sergeant, and uh, I I went to my sergeant major Davila, and I said, hey, look, I. I Pierce and I want to stay here. These are the guys that I've trained to go to war with. Mm -hmm. I want to go to war with them. It's a sense of pride. You want, you know, it's you're ready to go, and uh, it's like playing in a game and never getting a chance to go play on a Friday night football game. So I go um, cancel the orders. Oh yeah, you'll be good. We're we're pretty much in a stop loss. You're not going to go anywhere. Um, sitting there waiting to hear the word to go because they're, I I don't know how far they were, but they were. I think we left in June or July, and they deployed in November. So this is that close. Like, that's unheard of. Stepanek Pierce, you guys are going to Fort Polk, Louisiana, brand new brigade, 10th Mountain. 10th Mountain support drums, very prestigious unit. But they opened up. We didn't have room up there, so we're going to Fort Polk, Louisiana, uh, 4th Brigade, 10th Mountain down there. We're like, what? I was pissed. So they, they tried to appeal it, everything like that. They couldn't. So Pierce and I, these guys that we've been training, are off to Iraq. And we are in a swamp. Yeah, we're going to Fort Polk, Louisiana. Those boys, um, boy, I tell you, it's hard to talk about this, but those boys got fucked up. Yeah. Like they, and uh, some of the man, they were so they're such great soldiers. So many Ranger guys, so many, so many just squared away guys. I love those guys to death. Um, I don't know exactly how the story goes, but basically they um, they get a false tip. It was a setup, and they roll in. I think they're in Missoula, Iraq, and they roll in, and they, uh, it was a shoot house. Basically, they were, a bunch of insurgents were waiting for them. Ambush. Ambush, and uh, they kicked it open the door, and they, I mean, it was just, it was hell. Like, they got set up. Yeah. And a lot of guys, they, they lost their lives, and my platoon, Sergeant, Sergeant Mara, um, got shot through the jaw, and like, he ended up being a soldier of the year, but he lived through it, but it was, it was, it was bad. Like, dude, getting that news, mm -hmm. and you just, you have a certain level of, of, um, that's where I'm looking for a certain level of like wishing you were there. You wanted to be a part of that and you felt really guilty. That's what I said, sure. a certain level of guilt. And um, so, I mean, I love those guys. They, they were, a few of them lost their lives, but they, they were damn good soldiers. They were, they were really fun. They were, they were great to be around. I was, I think I was stationed with them for three and a half years up there. We go to Fort Polk, Louisiana. I get deployed with them. Um, but like I said, it was a weird deployment because Usually it's like a year to eighteen months, and we we're there was six or seven. It was just a, it was like a weird transition. It was it was so weird. Like it could have been way worse than what it was. Um, we go there, we do our missions, we do, we get we get all of our guys home. Um, that's how arrogant I was. I remember talking to each of the parents, saying, "Don't worry about it. I'm gonna get your kid home. That's not in my hands." Right. I learned that now. Right. Yeah. We got them all home, but um, I remember the first day we were there, we've got. Uh, we got shelled, and one of my guys, it's a tower, and it's got a remote control. <laughs> and it's like, it's like um, I don't know, what movie was it? It was like Austin Powers movie where he's like, it's like a super slow descent, and we're getting shelled, we're getting mortared. And, uh, they, I mean, it landed right outside outside there. And, uh, boy, I tell you, that it's, and just seeing all that stuff, it's very humbling, very humbling. And that was, that point, I was 20, 25, 26. Mm -hmm. It was that moment in my life. I realize what life and death was. I get home, I get out processed 90 days afterwards when we get back. 
Those guys, those poor son of bitches, they have to deploy again to Iraq. And I got a lot of friends that are there. And it's the same situation. They get, a lot of them got fucked up. And um, I remember my, my buddy Jason Carey who was, I, I remember that email. I probably have still have that same email. And just described the, the pain and anguish and, and uh, the, the intense firefights that they were in. It just, it was, it was bad. I mean, these soldiers, man, I tell you what, soldiers go through hell. Like, and people don't yeah. understand. It was funny to me um, because when we got that derecho that happened, mm-hmm. you got a little snippet. You got a little snippet yeah. of what it was. And people were freaking out. They didn't have cell phones. They didn't, they, they were looking for energy for their house. They didn't have water. Mm-hmm. Like, they were freaking out. And I just like, it's they like. They weren't even being shot at. No. And it's like, you, like that, that, that's what these countries, bro. They, you, I know you're you're a huge history buff, and you like read. You're a very educated person. Like you, you, you read about this stuff, and I, I'll just never forget it, man. These kids running through the mountains, no shoes, snow, it's cold, bro. And I'm like, like I, I have such a soft heart for kids, you know. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, uh, Mike. So I remember it was Christmas, and I said. I said, hey, what do you want? Everybody, my family's asking me, what do you want in a care package? I said, do me a favor. Send me coats, send me jackets, or send me shoes, send me anything you can. And then my grandma got with the church and they, they sent a bunch of stuff. And I just handed that out. I just, I wanted to, even though I was in the infantry, you want to kick ass, right? You want to go there. You feel like at that time I was defending my country and I was ready to kick ass, right? Do you think you were? Oh, man, that's a tough question to ask. Uh, I, Man, I don't know, Keone. The older I get, the more. So I, no. Yeah, maybe not. It's, um, it's, kind were, of, it's tough. I I love my soldiers, and I and anybody that, that serves our country. That doesn't mean that they're not honorable. Yeah. No, I know. It it's doesn't just, mean that they're not. It's hard to go honor. against my country because I'm well, what I've been through. But well, our, our, that, I think that's something that needs to be talked about because there's no dialogue with it. It's like you're either for America or you're against America. That's yeah. bullshit. You can question. You have to question. Oh, that's I've how, questioned. Like, that's how America yeah. is, right? But, um. I think a lot of times if, if people question a military action, yeah. like I questioned Iraq, yeah, I went, okay, uh, Osama bin Laden, he's yeah. the mastermind and mm-hmm. he's in Afghanistan. Yeah. Go after him. Yeah. Bring his head home on a stick. Yeah. Pretty easy deal. Yeah. Probably. Um, but then when they went into Iraq, I was like, well, wait a minute. Yeah. This, if I am against this, it doesn't mean I'm not a patriot. Yeah. It means I want, uh, probably poor men and women to not get shot in the face. Yeah. And there, there didn't seem to be any real infringement upon our liberty here with Iraq. Yeah. Specifically Afghanistan. I get it. Yeah. But, um, when, when soldiers go there, like I I feel like there's this big problem that nobody wants to talk about because it hurts and it's really ugly. And the big problem is we have uh, 22 soldiers a day that are killing themselves. Yeah. We have soldiers that have issues getting treated for the things they need to get yep. treated through the VA. You have people that question uh, United States political policy or yeah. war policy or militarization. And then you have a lot of people that jump up and go, why don't you support the military? Well, supporting the military is making sure these kids don't get killed because no. they're kids. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And um, I feel like now if you go, wait a minute, we shouldn't be in Iraq. This yeah. is wrong. Yeah. People want to immediately go, well, you don't support the military. People in the military 
are doing this for their own reasons, but they probably have been led to believe through history and teaching through American education systems that they're defending liberty. But I believe, this is just personally my opinion, it's dishonorable to the deaths of those soldiers who fought and died to defend liberty Mm -hmm. to not recognize that they're not fighting for liberty. They're fighting for some dudes in suits that would never pick up a fucking gun and march into battle. Those dudes in suits, those older men that have been able to live their lives yeah. and most of them have never had to do real hardcore infantry duty, yeah. are making decisions to send these mainly poor kids yeah. to die in yep. the name of freedom. That's bullshit. Yeah. It doesn't mean the soldiers don't die nobly. They die more nobly than most people Yeah, because they're out there d- doing the work. Yep. Like they're in the trenches and regardless of what side you're on in war, yeah. it brings... The, the worst out of people and it brings the best out of people as well. Absolutely. But I feel like as a nation, we have to be a little bit more honest yeah. and go just because our soldiers are out there yeah. fighting these conflicts doesn't mean they're evil, but no, we have no. to recognize evil orders. Yeah. We, we have to, for me, like I have a lot of respect for people that go into the military because I yeah. know it's hard. Yeah. I know it's not easy. It's a scary, intimidating situation. So yeah. the people that go into it and then further go dodge bullets. Fuck. You know, they've got some grit all the way up the chain of command. For the most part, I know that there's like office politics, even in the military, but those people have all had to go through some level of shit. And now we have, uh, uh, privileged, wealthy Americans deciding the fate and lives of complete strangers. You know, it's funny. That's a, that's a great point. I hear, well, I tell you, I, I have changed a lot on how I feel and how I think about, uh, that type of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Can you be president without, without ever serving your military? Yeah, yeah. you can't. You can if you respect the sacrifice. Yeah, you can if you can look at the the military and go. The only way I'm going to send you into harm's way, young yeah. man, is if the liberty of of Americans yeah. is at stake. Yeah, it hasn't been. Yeah, it arguably uh, the war on terror should have ended with Al-Qaeda in the hills of Afghanistan or wherever they were at. Should have never went to Iraq. There was hundreds of thousands of people that died that didn't need to die. A lot of them were U.S. soldiers. Yep. Or at least, I don't want to say a healthy portion, an unhealthy portion. But um, all of the other wars, tracing back arguably to World War II, were... eh. My grandpa talked about Korea. I mean, he's like, we're still there. Like he would Vietnam. Yeah, that's Vietnam. You want to hear a crazy story? So I fly back into, is it Manus? Is it Maryland, Maine? I don't know. Somewhere in there. It's two o'clock in the morning, I think, bro. And uh, double doors open. Mind you, I'm so glad to be back on U.S. soil. I'm, I'm, I made it. We survived. Everybody, like everybody I loved and cherished for the most part made it back. And it's like. We're home. This is exciting. Can't wait to see my wife. Can't wait to see my kids. Just imagine this. You're going through double doors. Boom. They open up. Hundreds of people are there. Two o'clock in the morning. Clapping for you. Cheering mm-hmm. you on. It was like, it was like you just want to stay title. You know what I mean? It's just like everybody's like, I was like, oh, this is. A, well, that's an, awesome. Yeah. What an amazing thing. Here you go. So I'm walking, walking through. And, uh, and then there's this big, beautiful food spread. There's, there's burgers my delicious mountain dews are there who set this up um i don't know it's like a, a uso thing i don't i don't know oh, i have no still to this day i don't know well, that's clue. nice yeah so this lady so 
two Vietnam vets are over here. And this lady goes, hey, sir, can you convert from here? I said, I want my kids to meet a real American hero. And uh, I go, those guys right there are your American hero. This guy is not. Those two Vietnam vets are right well, there. Well, I, th- I think you can say that you all are because um, – Those guys went through a lot of shit, bro. So, so did I understand, but everybody that's, else. Boy, I that's tell you a what, scary place. But, but think about this. Think about this. Here's my debate with you. <laughs> I, know, I, ha- I, know. I had cell phone. I don't know how. <laughs> I had a cell phone. Yeah. We had food. We had surf and turf night, lobster tails and steaks. And But then when we were out, out we didn't get that. We had MREs and all that good shit. But, but I got to watch the Super Bowl. I got to go home. I... Yeah. I'd stayed in a bunk sometimes, and sometimes I didn't. You know, it's just, we're all, all over the place in Afghanistan. But those got oh my god! Can you, I to the average person, it looks like yeah, okay, you kicked ass. That that it's bad shit. But could you imagine being a fucking Vietnam vet? No, it, the shit they went through. No, I, I just I, I'm dumbfounded. It's I have I've read about this too. Unbelievable. And, um, you you've seen Platoon. Oh, yeah, a long time ago, yeah. Um, and, you know, Apocalypse Now and some of these yeah. movies. But reading about Vietnam, and I want to say they're – I forgot the name that they used for these GIs that would go down in the Vietnamese tunnel. Uh, tunnel rats. Tunnel rats. Yeah. And uh, the Viet Cong would set traps. And in, first of all, you're crawling in a tunnel for a smaller-statured person, and you don't know what the fuck is these down motherfuckers there. These, you want to talk about real men? Maybe stupid, whatever you want to call them, but they're fucking... De- knowing that you're going to go to death. That, like, potentially. That takes balls. Well, so what I read was that these... The Viet Cong yeah. were some of the first to use biological weaponry in the form of giant rats. Oh, shit. They put giant rats purposely infected with the bubonic plague Man. in some of these tunnels. So that when the tunnel rats would get down here and be going through a small space, thinking it was a corridor to something else... Yeah. It would they'd hit a tripwire, and they'd either have giant centipedes or scorpions crawling down their shirt, or a bubonic plague rat running at them trying to attack them. That's crazy, man. And they're like, that what? Even sounds with real. a flashlight. It doesn't. Yeah. You you have to be so I would think psychologically yeah. so jarred to even convince yourself to do that. Yeah. That you'd be living in a nightmare scenario. And when you look at the troops that came back from Vietnam, they were fucked up. They they may were spit on. It, were, right. Wasn't that like the hippie era? Like when the, isn't that the, kind of like the, the end of the yeah yeah, yeah the yeah. end of the, the a lot of the hippie era was like anti Vietnam, and it, and it should have been because the Vietnam War itself was bullshit. Yeah. But so was this response of treating these soldiers who just signed up for it just like they, they weren't even they didn't even sign up, bro. They were drafted. Well, they, yeah, they were drafted. They, were drafted. They, didn't, they didn't ask for it. Right. So yeah. they come back and they get spit on, and it's like you're you don't understand that these soldiers have nothing to do with it. It's the establishment that pushed them into war. Yeah. You're not, you're not talking about any of these, these world leaders that were so afraid of communism from some little country that they sent a bunch of kids to their death. Yeah. In one of the, the most shitty environments that you can imagine so bad that it rewrote the U S military book on yeah. how to commit war and how yeah. to commit guerrilla warfare. Yeah. Um, but I remember watching movies about Vietnam and just going, I saw the, um, POW MIA flag. Yeah. And I asked my mom and dad, I was like, what is that? What does that mean? Yeah. And they said prisoner of war missing in action. And yeah. I'm like, what do you mean? I remember them telling me this cause it hurt me so bad. Yeah. 
they're like, well, there's some people that haven't been found or they were killed in action over there or yeah. they're in prison camps. And I'm just like, are you fucking kidding Dude, me? I can imagine. You send these guys to this hellhole for just a political reason yeah. and they're still over there? Yeah. Like that blew my mind. Like it hurt to know that there were Americans that were duped into this yeah. and now they're stuck there. Dude, um, uh, that was, you know, that's two things I never wanted to be. Never wanted a Purple Heart. No, thank you. You know what I mean? That's the enemy got you. I'd never wanted a Purple Heart. Never wanted to be a PO or a prisoner of war. I, that was a big appeal. What's crazy is we were doing left seat, right seat, right with the 80, uh, 100, was it 82nd? I don't know, because 82nd, 100% airborne, whoever really does. And um, that really crossed my mind because we're, we're getting ready. We're two weeks out. You get a little uneasy when you're two weeks out. You know what I mean? Everybody gets kind of complacent Waiting for fate to step. Oh in. boy. It's like, man, am I going to make it? You know, it's just, it was, I can't so eerie. It was so quiet. It was just weird. It, and then it is all over the place. But I remember going through this big bend and there's this mountain and we start having uh, troubles with our Humvee and you know, you're staggered out 15 meters, I believe, or 15, 30 meters away. Um, so you're not all together. Yeah. Because it, there's a reason in case a bomb goes or right. IED goes yeah. off. It doesn't, it doesn't take everybody out. And so, um, we're going through this bend and, and, uh, the, the comms go down. My truck acts up and the guy, you're always supposed to scan like 10 to 15 seconds behind you and look behind and make sure that everything's fine. So we go around this bend and down B breaks down. I call it Charlie one, Charlie, Charlie one, six, Charlie one, two, like trying to get a hold of my commander, Lieutenant Oliver. And, uh, Everything goes dead. And I'm like, oh, fuck, what the hell do we do? And I'm thinking like, and we're, it's like uh, dusk. And it's like, that is the time that they attack because our night legends don't work. That That's the yeah. perfect time for them to attack. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I'm perfect, two weeks away from getting out of here. perfect place too. Exactly. I'm in a town. So I'm like quick thinking, um, quick thinking. Uh, I get out of my Humvee and I fire off like five, six rounds in the air. And, uh, and, uh. I'm like, man, I hope the guy, people are starting to come outside now. And I'm like, please heard that because they didn't sure shit. They heard the gunshot. They flipped around. They didn't realize we were there. Mm. But God knows what the hell happens if that doesn't happen. Yeah, because it's, we're a skeleton crew. We don't have our full crew. I think we have, I think we have three or four people with us. And you're in a, com, you're in a compromised position. Right? Oh, it so would, like it, if they were elevated, they would just be. And I think I don't think we had a 50 cal's Mark 19s at that time. Uh, I think we had just a, a saw up up there. So it was skeleton, real skeleton crew, because we're so close. We're just showing them the path and what we were doing there and, and stuff like that. And I'll, and uh, that's probably the scariest I've been over there, honestly. And that was, it wasn't even that bad, but it was just the fact that knowing that when these motherfuckers yeah, overrun us yeah. and, they, and they pin us down, I don't want to, I don't want to be, I don't want to be one of those guys. No. You know what I mean? Where they're getting closer and closer. So you and get closer. everybody out, you pull security, and thank God they heard the gunshots because I was like, because they could have been down the road for a long time. Yeah. So, but yeah, those guys go, they go through hell. There's probably a million stories like that. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. That you yeah. could go over in your head. Um, why are, why are soldiers, we talked about suicide and I think it's an important thing. Why are they killing themselves in the numbers that they're not, they're killing themselves? Well, because I think everybody knows they just don't like talking about it. Yeah. So here's my take. Here's my two cents on this. Um, when you're over there, you have ROE, rules of engagement. But it's the wild, wild west. And it's like... Who's watching? Nobody. Right. You know what I'm saying? And it's like... 
I'm not gonna get too much into it, but there's a lot of shit that happens over there. That it's war. Yeah, there it is. What do it's you expect? War. Like uh, this is what I don't get about people. Oh, the things they're. What the fuck do you expect? You're you're not complaining about your politicians funding this shit and doing it, but you want to get upset about atrocity when you're Just shooting at kids. Anybody what do you that ever says either? about that, I'll tell you what, you don't have to go through war because there's brave motherfuckers, women and men that'll go do it for you. Yeah, go visit a third world country. Come right, <laughs> right. That'll open your eyes like, like that, like the Congo or some shit. Absolutely, and um, go visit a third world country. But here's what's going on, with soldiers. They they go over there. And it's it's the wild wild west. It's the only way I can describe. It. I don't know how to describe it. Wild wild west. Survival. They of the see fittest, so much yeah. shit. It's not normal. PTSD. Um, I, I was one of those guys. Oh, I have PTSD. Or, you know, here we go. Shit bag. And you know, you're brain. You're almost brainwashed over there. You're tough. You're hua. I always got to kick other guys that come. Oh, I come in the army because I uh, paid for my college. But dude, you have no idea what the fuck you just signed up for. Yeah. Um, what I think is going on, Keone, is like. Um, I can just talk from experience. Um, when you come back, it's a lot of these guys get stop lost over there and, and stuff like that. When you come back, it's everything shuts off. It's like it's eerie. It's more. I was more scared of being back here than I was over there. Over there, I felt like I could control it, mm-hmm. even though I wasn't controlling shit. But I felt at the time I was controlling it. You get back here, it's like. Nobody understands. I got a buddy right now that's going through this shit right now. Mm-hmm. And and it, he's a really good friend of mine. And I've been there. I understand. I know what it is. Survivor's guilt's another one. Um, sure. It's not. I can see that. Dude, watching a friend get killed. Like, it's like one day we're talking. It's just like your dad. It's the same thing. It's mm-hmm. one day you're talking. And then boom, they're gone. The next day. It's like, what the, what the fuck? You know? It's, Especially when they're like in the military, they're young. They they're they're, they're not this. old men, you know. They haven't yeah. lived their whole lives. Most yeah. of them are in their what early twenties. Yeah, and so they come back, they out process, and there's no counseling. I, I will tell you this: if I could change one thing in the military, maybe it's got better. I've been out for fifteen years or so. I doubt it. I, it's sad, bro, because it's like they have no. That's the worst I've ever been in my life. And there's guys that have been out there hundred times worse situations than I have. Mm-hmm. I was bad way when I got back. And it's close. I've been to divorce with my wife. So, uh, the movie, what was the movie? The Hurt Locker. Do you see that? Yeah. So here's the thing that I think that movie did really good. Yeah. Um, I don't know how accurate it was, but it, it painted a portrayal of life in war, mm-hmm. like on the wire. Yeah. Like you don't, you literally one wire, you're, you could be blown to bits. Yeah, yeah. Constant chaos, yeah. death all around yep. you, kids being murdered. Then you come back to the U.S. and like walk into a supermarket and there's people squeezing really nice plump fruit yeah. and just going about their day and parking like assholes. And you're like, you have no idea what's going on out there. Is oh. that part of it where... Oh yeah, it's hard to readapt to the calm because you're ready for a fucking mortar to drop around you at some point in time. It's it was like, like shell uh, shock in reverse type of thing. It's just dumb stuff like um, you know you see trash on the side of the road. You think it's an IUD. Mm-hmm. Um, you you drift towards. I still do it to this day. You drift over to the middle of the fucking lane, and it's like it's just it's programming your head. It survives, survives, survive, and then boom, it shuts off. Like it's it's like you're in a movie, and. You come home and uh, you're—I don't know—it's—it's a, it's a weird feeling. It didn't hit me until I got back six, six, seven months. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, something triggered my brain. I think mine was survivor's guilt. I think it was them going to Iraq, and I wasn't there with them because I got mm-hmm. out. And it was like, man, I struggle bad. And I think a lot of these guys, I still talk to some of these guys. Like, man, I just, one of the guys I just served with was on Instagram. Um, told everybody goodbye. He loved him and killed himself on I Instagram. Me and I'm just like, what in the hell? Um, it's like, you know I, bro, I, I really don't, I don't have a good explanation. I think these guys see a lot of stuff in their lives and they, they come home and they get shut off and they just, nobody really truly understands what you go through until you go through it. And it's like, I could sit here and talk all day on this podcast and tell you all the cool, crazy shit that, that we did in the military and basic and all that stuff. But until you experience it, it's like, it's, yeah. it's a really weird thing. I feel bad because a lot of people don't have, what, what, what saved my life uh, was this place. 100%. Jim. Absolutely. Hard drive saved my life. Um, my wife saved my life. My two kids at the time saved my life. Well, you had faith, right? You had yeah. hope. Absolutely. You, you yeah. had hope and you had things to, yeah. to be hopeful for. Yeah. But if I'm a young soldier yeah. and I left high school and I went into this, this place where I was rattled yeah. psychologically and then I come back. And everybody is living, you know, newer lives, but they have no comprehension of the hell that's going on out there. Like, even from where I'm at, I could imagine how that would really, really fuck with your head, you know? And and then you, I I can only imagine seeing the things that I know people see over there, you know, that they've shared with me Mm -hmm. off podcast or whatever. I I can only think that if I saw those things, I would have real questions about faith yeah. and life and the yeah. purpose of life too yep. but um that comes down to choice too ultimately like are you going to make good of this or are you going to make bad of this and um, i'm sure you got a lot of lessons from the military oh you yeah oh, yeah i mean you, you don't like killing i tell you what somebody asked me uh, not too long ago what'd you do it all again mm-hmm. fucking right i'd do it again yeah that's the question i i don't think that's a really fair question to ask people because um Unless they're miserable, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they they should recognize yeah. that even that really kind of hard stuff, yeah, built their character and built their life to what it is. And if they have an appreciation for it, yeah. they have to appreciate that shitty stuff yeah. too. Yeah. A lot of the most defining things in my life were the worst. Yeah, divorce, the loss of my father. Yeah, they shifted a huge way in my thinking that that uh, brought me to where I'm at. Yeah. you know. So it's like it's weird to go. I have regrets. Yeah, because. I'm happy, you know. Well, I tell you what, man. If I can give a shout out to those guys I served with, uh, some of the best men. I, uh, you know, we were infantry at the time; they didn't allow women, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but now they they have. But some of the best men I have ever met in my damn life. Uh, still talk to a lot of them. Remember how excited I was? Was it a Veterans Day? Mm-hmm. I Facetimed all, pretty much all the soldiers that yep. I was in charge with. That meant a lot, yeah. And then just it's fun to hear what everybody's doing, and some of the people you're just like, I can't believe it. I this guy JJ, um, I served with. He's now a first sergeant, and he's like tatted, tabbed up, Ranger tab. He's got everything, and I'm like, you would have told me 20 years ago this guy was gonna be a stellar soldier. I told you you're fucking crazy, but he was. Uh, but he's just great. It's like just amazing human beings. Uh, I don't know. I, I haven't. Only other place I've felt that is here. But it's yeah, just amazing the, people. the camaraderie. Absolutely. Yeah. So very similar. Well, they go hand in hand. Yeah, there's a there is a camaraderie, and we've talked about this, but most people don't know. They, I think they probably could guess, but in any kind of combative situation yeah. where you're putting yourself at odds against another human being, especially when it's real combat. Yeah. Um, I can only imagine 
the the lessons yeah. that you get from that and the the brotherhood because yeah. it's your life. You know, you're entrusting your life in that survivor's guilt. I'm sure that's probably Dude, part of the bond in the the you know. stories that you have. Like I always think of the movie Stripes. So the stories, man, it is you. You know everybody's life. You know every guy that has slept, who they've slept with. Sure. You know ten you, times over. Oh, probably. ten times over. The stories that hell half of them are Specific probably made up. Descriptions of <laughs> women's anatomy. Yeah. yeah. He, they're probably made up half of them. Or heavily. That's embellished. how we got through it. Sure. We got through it. Coping like mechanism. Yeah, yeah, it was great. And was, you miss that, I suppose. Oh yeah, you because get, it's uh, you're in the fire and you rely on these men, and then yeah. all of a sudden they're just not there. Dude, I I, I don't know. Maybe I get off on weird shit, but like. I literally remember being on a deuce and a half. It was a uh, big ass, you know, deuces, right? Like a big ass uh, military vehicle that has the open bays in the back yeah. and it's pouring down rain and it's nighttime. And, and I got the night vision goggles. I'm all jacked up, ready to go. And I'm literally thinking there, all these guys back home, my friends I went to high school with, mm-hmm. they're doing nothing. And I'm sitting here like, I, I love this. I love this. It's called the suck. I love the suck. Mm-hmm. I still do. It's really weird. Uh, they're, I the just felt like I, I feel right? like I was doing something in my life. Like yeah. I, I was proud to be a soldier. I still am proud to be a soldier. I'm proud to be an American. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was good times. Well, it's yeah. an adventure, right? Like you're a young kid and yeah. it's like, wow, here's the yeah. world. 13, 13, 14 countries I've been to. Uh, what's the old saying? Flown around the world twice, talked to everybody once. Yeah. I think that was in that movie, but... Yeah, it's that's true. Just true thing. So, um, uh, how do you think the military could, or how do you think that we could do better? Because here's here's something that I've thought about. We got this great military, yeah, the best trained military on the planet. Yeah, arguably there's some other good ones too, but um, the most powerful. Yeah, and without question. Yep. Why are we in all these countries? Why Man. don't Why don't we bring our troops home? If If we bring our troops home, don't we have the most defended border ever? Probably, you know, I've actually, are, I thought about that. troops like, all over the fucking world, man? Maybe there's shit we don't know. Dumb. I, I don't know. We think we know, but maybe we don't know. I feel like it's intelligence. I feel like CIA yeah. and intelligence is like, well, we need to have people everywhere just in case. But like, that's an empire too. Yeah. Or it brings money. Uh, that type of stuff brings money. Um, maybe there's just shit we don't know about. We have, well, we have nuclear weapons everywhere. We have, we have. That's strategic, my strategically placed stuff throughout the entire so world. like to me it's like the nuclear question yeah we're we're a nuclear superpower yep we have the mightiest military ever mm-hmm. why are we everywhere why can't we just have our troops at home in defending our border and with canada know. up there and with mexico down there in two oceans if we have our military who's fucking with us I don't know. Nobody, but it that's, seems like we a higher power man than I, I have. You know, it's like, uh, I, I don't even know. Yeah. Well, I don't know. But I tell you, if they come here, we're ready. Right. Well, so, yeah. yeah. And do yeah. you, I mean, the citizens are ready, but yeah. like if the military's here, there's nobody coming here. Yeah. Like how yeah. could they even show up? Yeah. They want to build a wall. I'm like, put troops shoulder to shoulder, baby. Yeah. They're not going to get through. You know yeah. what I mean? I, I, man, I tell you, that's just, that's above my pay grade, brother. I, I really don't know. I, I think, you know, I think it's money. Yeah, probably that's potentially. I think. I think that's and that's probably a good fear. The the problem with money for me is um, that doesn't have shit to do with what this country was founded for. Yeah. So you can't justify the deaths of soldiers. Yeah. If it's for money. Yeah. You just can't. Um, that's why I got friends like you. Okay. 
that that understand this system better than I am, and I'm a I'm a grunt through and through. I well, am. you know what? For me, it's this. You've educated me quite a bit. For for me, it's this. Yeah. Um, uh, I can't imagine what it's like to be running up the beach at Normandy, oh, man. and seeing people be shredded all around me, and know that. Remember that we, photo you shared with me? Yeah. And if we and if we don't if we don't get up that beach. You know, when, when they're telling us, hey, 80% of you ain't going to make it. Yeah. Probably the guys in the back of the boat might make it up the beach. It's crazy. And, and there's, there's guys on that beach that are bleeding out. They're not yeah. going to meet the baby that was just born. They're not going to see their wife, their parents, their, their siblings. But they're dying on the beach, and they're going, this is for liberty, though. Yep. This is for the, 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 all, the, all the marbles. And yep. then later, we're in Vietnam. And I'm like, no, man. Dude, that, even before that, could you imagine one word you never wanted to fucking hear in war? Fixed bayonets. If you hear fixed bayonets, are you fucking kidding me? Trench warfare. Oh my god! How about the? What was it? The was it? What what war was it where they just run up and shoot each other, and the next people come up and run up and shoot each other? And it's well, like, they used to have the lines, the phalanx, oh my god. like the what revolutionary. The hell could you war. imagine? Well, world as I understand, World War Two was the most costly in terms of human life. World War One yeah. was the most ugly. Yeah, it was like, and we saw the movie 1917, yeah. and we saw why because yeah. it was like hell on earth, trench people being stabbed. Boys did a nice job on that movie. Awesome job, yeah, on that do. movie. But um, it's hard to watch that shit sometimes. I'm sure it is. Yeah, I'm sure it is. But Black my, Hawk Down was Black Hawk Down was probably the number one. Very close, right? Oh my god! In terms Just of the way they, those boys, man. I, I've got to. Um, that was Mogadishu, right? Mogadishu, yeah. Um, one of the guys uh, was my drill sergeant that was in that. Really, and uh, what an odd individual, but fucking great soldier. He was boy. He was squared away, and uh, so intimidating. I don't get intimidated by shit. That guy intimidated me. He just... He saw some things. Huh? Oh, dude, he was just... He didn't say shit. Joe Sarn Begley, I'll never forget him. Um, Delta Force, just fucking scary, dude. Scary. Ice cold. I remember one time I was marching these guys, and uh, he's like, I don't need no dumb fucking jock marching my... I was like, Jesus. So I get out of there, and after I won that, he didn't say shit to me. Never besides that. And then uh, I get the the highest PT score and, and stuff like that. He pulls me out of formation, grabs me by the chest, and he... Goes good fucking job. Two things he ever said to me. That was it. That was it. That guy was in that whole fucking conflict. He was like right on the, the whole deal. The hardest of the hard. Yep. Yeah. And it was Delta Force. It's stuck. interesting too to me that you know we live in this, um, this kind of this MMA culture, this yeah. martial arts yeah. culture, and there's a lot of guys in this culture that are like, you know, there's some ego. There's yeah. still ego even in the highest level. I'm of the baddest motherfucker, and I'm like, yeah. dude. You might be a hand-to-hand specialist, yeah. but there are guys out there that would make mincemeat of you, and it would not be difficult at all. What's the old saying? There's always somebody out there that's better than you. Yeah, but now there's like a shitload of people that are better than you. Yeah, you know? there, and there is. They're right. trained by the finest and most uh, uh, prolific ec- economy in the, in the yeah. history. So the U.S. The US war machine um, is impressive. It is. The yeah. shit that they have just – I watch YouTube videos sometimes, and I'm like, Jesus. Dude, you know, I, the machines of war, it's, it, it's, it's just as terrifying oh, as it is. it is impressive. Dude, it is. I remember they did it like, was it the A-10 flew out of, flew out of us. They did it all. I, could, I laugh because I'm thinking about all the fucking Afghanis that were just fucking hauling ass because they thought they were probably getting bombed. But they, they lined up. Just imagine this. They lined up all the A-10 planes. You should look at what an A-10 is. Um, it was a bomber? Yeah, but they had missiles and stuff like that. But it was just, it was such a fast plane. And um, um, they were pulling out of Afghanistan while we were there. So they did a fucking flyby 
All of them. Oh my god, the ground shook. Oh, I mean, sure. that guy was like, could you just imagine being an Afghanistan guy, a soldier? Then you're like, it's oh. like a, or a goat herder. <laughs> oh shit! They, they're all dying. The sky is. But falling. dude, it was nuts. It was nuts. It was cool as hell. But yeah, just the power that that these machines got. It, it it's it's nuts. Um. So uh, relationships. <laughs> we talked about loss. We talked about your yeah. time in the war. Yeah. Relationships. Oh yeah. Dane Cook did a, a bit one time where he said he doesn't have relationships. He has relationships. It's <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> There's two types. Um, you've been with Jazz since you were guys in high school. 16, 14. This is, un- this is unheard of. Really. This is a crazy story. Yeah. Um, this is unheard of or, or extremely rare today. Oh, yeah. I, I got together with what I, you know, who I thought was my yeah. high school sweetheart. And I, I can say she, she was. And I was like, for sure. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah. We're going to be together. Yep. No problemo. And then like seven to 10 years into it, we were getting the itch and we couldn't stand each other and we needed to get away from each yeah. other because we were toxic. Both great people. Yeah. And, you, and I love and, you. And, and, and happier great. now. Yeah. You yeah, know, absolutely. and uh, the, the, the silver lining of this was even though that was a super, super difficult time in my yeah. life, we get along great. Yeah. We, we go like Tish, people are weirded out by it. Kind you, of. you, I, boy, I tell you what. You guys did great on that because look what you've saved with your kids and you guys wow. did awesome. With That's, that. you know, when I was a kid, um, my mom and dad separated for yeah, a while. I, I told you about that. that. Yeah. And I was so abandoned. I felt so abandoned oh, yeah. by my mom. Yeah. And I was the biggest terror that I had then. Cause I was a young boy was that my caretakers, my mom and dad, my whole world yeah. was going to get split up yep. and divided. And I had all these parents, uh, friends of parents that were getting split up, you know, or had been split up. And that was like a big fear for me. Yeah. So, um, when I got married to Tish, I was like, for sure, we're going to be together. Yeah. Unless, and I told her, I'm like, if I hate your guts, yeah. I'll stay with you. Yeah. Because I know that my grandparents have hated their guts <laughs> at some point, And my mom and dad <laughs> yeah, have hated it. Yeah, yeah. You go through this and it's a commitment. I said, the only way this is going to change is if there's a, t- there's a level of toxic toxicity for our kids. Yeah. Once we get to the point where I'm starting to wonder if we're negatively uh, or impairing their growth or yeah. their development yep. or doing what's healthy, we're done. And we got to that point. Yeah. And um, that was really, really, really difficult for me. And I feel like... I remember like, that when that happened. Yeah, it was tough. I, got a, I was at Red Lobster and I got a text message from you. Yeah. Yep. Saying what? Delete Tish as a friend? Yeah. Yeah. See, and that like... T- <laughs> that's, embar- that's embarrassing for yeah. me to say. Yeah. Because... You know, like I you were young. How old were you? I was thirty. Yeah, that's young, man. But the the thing was, I had been with Tish since I was a kid. Yeah. So this was a great betrayal. This yeah, was yeah. like, um, and I was a piece of shit. Like, <laughs> like uh, on the flip side of that, yeah, like yeah. I was judging her. I had every bit of judgment that could have been placed back on top oh, yeah. of me. But you know, you live and you learn. But uh, I thought for sure we we're going to be together. And the props that we've gotten from other people is. Um, we just weren't, we're not going to put each other in front of the kids. This is now the ending of this relationship. Yeah. And that was hard. Yep. But now we're going to have to start something new. So now, you know, um, I'm really happy. I'm really proud of the work that we've done. And, you know, Courtney as a co-parent has oh, done yeah. because it's a great dynamic, you know, uh, Tish will what? You ain't going to sneak by here. Come on. <laughs> Ronan Thor. Um, thanks for the guest appearance. Um, 
fuck was I talking about? Anyway. How about you and Tish and the parents and you guys co-parenting? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Tish, Tish, the other day I was going, we were talking to Tish because we were celebrating my brother James' yeah. uh, 48th. Happy birthday to my brother James. 48. 48, yeah. That's crazy. I know. We're yeah. fucking dying. Um, <laughs> Let's just throw it so, out there. We're sold. <laughs> um, anyways, we're celebrating James' 48th, having some cake and stuff. And I go, Tish, what are you guys doing for, you know, Easter? Because it's Easter Sunday. It's mm-hmm. We celebrate in early afternoon. And we were planning on going over to Cheryl's, Kojo's mom's, yeah. Cheryl and Jay's. And she's like, oh, I'm going to Cheryl's. Yeah, I didn't know I was invited, so I'm, we're just going to go over there. And that's pretty commonplace. Yeah. So it's nice to have, uh, you know, uh, a, a model for my children that even though I failed in something, yeah. um, I didn't put I, – I never set their love – or our love for them, as, you know, in, or I never put them in front of me and Tish or put me and Tish in front of them. It was always about the kids. Yeah. As soon as we made the decision to end things, and it was like a long drug out process where I had to go through some shit for 12 to 18 months, but um, it, it was very clear to me, hey, this is a new thing now. It's going to suck. Yeah. You know, it's like we're losing each other and it's yeah. our, our life is changing drastically, but yep. let's be a fucking success with yep. the kids. And yep. now I have people going, I don't know if I could do that. And I'm like, well, you have to. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have any You've choice. done a great job. You both no. applied you and Tish because shit, that would be tough. Oh, it's so much easier. Yeah. Just get along. Yeah. Stop being such an asshole. Ego. Dropping it, the ego. We is. talk about ego. When people get into divorces or, you know, it's <laughs> the scenario. Okay. Um, Let's just, let's dive right in there. Okay. Man and woman get together. Yeah. Uh, uh, they have certain expectations upon each yeah. other. Let's say a woman isn't as interested in uh, nighttime activities yeah. anymore, you know, yeah. as so often. Or she's not interested in the same nighttime activities she well, was when they started. What those activities be, Kevin? I'm not going to go into specifics, <laughs> but I think you know what tree I'm barking up. Yeah. Um, he stops uh, mm. showing her attention. Yeah. He has resentment. He doesn't feel desired. What does he do? As soon as somebody fl- flirts with him, yeah. he goes, oh, you're filling this void that I have, yeah. and uh, I'm going to justify it however I want. Yeah. He does. She finds out. Her ego's all hurt. He loves this girl more than he loves me. He doesn't care about my mm. feelings, blah, blah, blah. Throws all of his shit out. This relationship of three or four years comes to a, a crashing, fiery yeah. uh, end. Yep. And uh, if they would just talk and yeah. try to find some kind of understanding, ground, it yeah. would never elevate to that point. But that's not what people do. No. I think what people do is there's a honeymoon phase. Yeah. And people will date and they're full of shit. They yeah. paint this face on, yeah. sometimes literally, yeah. or they act a certain way. They puff their chest. And then six months in, they're like, you know, I don't know, leaving shit in the sink and <laughs> not flushing their poo or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've seen this with people where they're like, they love each other so much and they're the best and they're mm-hmm. having a great time. And then they move in and three months later they're broken up. Oh yeah. Um, it's, it's a difficult thing. And yeah. I think people look at marriage and think that this is some rom-com romantic comedy movie that's going to unfold in their lives yeah. and everything's going to just get better and better. And that ain't the way that shit works. Like it is its own battle. Yeah. And when I got together with uh, Courtney later on, my view of marriage was less, this fairy tale, which mm-hmm. I think you actually kind of have a fairy tale situation. You're the exception. To I the would rule. say, yeah, my marriage is perfect. No issues. No. Issues. 
Um, well, everybody's got their issues, but yeah. um, I looked at it more in my second marriage as a life partnership. Absolutely. Like we yeah. are working to yep. help each other build each other up. Yeah. Um, what's your and Jasmine's uh, secret? You've been faithful yeah. and loyal to Jasmine yep. for the entire time. Yep. I know people that can't stay faithful and loyal mm. for a year. <laughs> so what one's, is what is my father? <laughs> what, oh no, Craigie. Uh, Craigie. He's doing well now. Um, what's that mean? Does that mean he's getting even more tail? No, he's, no he's, he does good for himself. That's good. He's got a good. He's got a good wife. So uh, Craig's a ladies' man. Your oh, your pops is a ladies' my man. My dad, I describe as uh, as Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen. Wild, eighties wild, winning. race car driver, winning, loves the poon. He constantly chases it. Um, he calls the poon uh, posse. Posse. I never forget that word. I got everybody saying posse. Posse. P o s s e e. Yeah, like posse. Yeah, but no. my dad's wild, dude. He's the complete opposite of me. Um, do you think? Wrong. Do you think you're that way because you're rebelling against who your dad was? No, I think. Dude, I got a weird situation. I, I think you got to understand the backstory of this um, for me, for you to say or for us to talk about this. I'm 16 years old, right? Yeah, I'm 16 years old. All my friends, you know, Chase, the one that made the sign for us, right? Yep. Panache, Chase Heist, Panache. Yeah. Yep. John Rife, Chase, me, on a mission. I just broke up the girl that I had, uh, freshman or sophomore year, whatever, and. Um, it was a summer to remember. Probably to this day, one of the best summers I've ever had in my life. Those are great. Oh, man. I mean, it was like women, partying. partying. I'm not going to say what kind of partying, but just having, just being teenagers having fun. Yeah, living it up. But, but that was big when like, when we were like putting systems in a car and had the lights going. And we just had a blast. Just a ball. That Back summer. when we when you had to take the deck out of the... The deck out of the First Avenue cruising. Because yeah. if you didn't, yeah. people would steal your shit. Oh, yeah. I've had my shit stolen And before. so people leave the deck in We might have stole some people's shit. I don't know. But Everybody anyway, stole. I, I boosting. Remember it was called boosting. I had friends that were doing like, oh, yeah, I'm going to... Like, why are you stealing people's radios? I, don't I didn't have a car. We're all so stupid. It, we were. And yeah. I'll tell you what. I did some really, really, really stupid we know, shit. I remember some of the stuff yeah. she told me about. Um, so but Chase was dating Jill, and and Troy was dating Michelle, and uh, John was sleeping with everybody. Um, so John was kind of the ladies' man back in the day. But um, I got out of this relationship. I was like, hey, it was that fall. We just got done playing Prairie. So it was my junior year. Just got done playing Prairie, and then we're like, Hey, there's this girl we want to introduce you to. Her name is Jasmine. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's up? You know? And, uh, yeah, yeah. What's up? I was up, you know, I'm a little, <laughs> I got a little, I got a little swag to me. Uh, and so, uh, just imagine Blaine. No, I know. Yeah. Just, I know exactly who you are. Yeah. I just watched Blaine and I'm like, as my okay. sister said, we met. Okay. I get, yeah. Um, so we go to this party. She has a party. Her mom let her have these parties. Epic parties she used to have. Patty? Yeah. Partier. So that, that, so there was a hollow out tree uh, that got struck by lightning. So they throw a keg in there. So we just got done beating Prairie. So, well, Prairie and Jeff back then fucking hate each other. It's like yeah. this bullshit these kids do now. Let me share. We're all buddies. It wasn't like that. You went to Jeff, you went to Prairie. We there were, were clearly we were fighting, drawn lines. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Well, it was like that. I felt like it was just like that. It was like it West was. Side Story. Nobody, yeah. high school versus high school. Like yeah. you, you could have friends from yeah. other high schools, yeah. but when, when the football game was yeah. on, you did not go over there. Well, you know, they came over to our field and did some stuff. We or may, may not have 
stopped on 380, jumped the fence, and painted uh, Prairie Blue and their Victory Bell Blue. Statute mm-hmm. of Limitations. Exactly. On that one. Um, so, uh, but, so we go to this party. I see a picture of her. I'm like, this fucking girl is just absolutely beautiful. Completely out of my league. Completely. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to take a shot, though. I don't care. Fuck it. What, what is the old... Was the old Michael Jordan say? It's the shots that you don't take, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Can't hit it if you don't take. There it, it is. And so I, I uh, we go to this party. I've never played this Kimmy. LFO Summer Girls. Remember that song? LFO. Yeah, LFO. You yeah, remember that? Sadly. And so yeah, right. Great song. <laughs> Billboard that, that top. Wa- that wasn't bad. No, it was a fun summer song. She she's in palms, curly hair. She's dancing with her friend Ellie to this song bonfire in the back i remember like as yesterday that's awesome you know that wayne's world that that song comes yeah. on dream Weaver. you know what i mean like yeah. it's like dream yes Weaver. that was going on i was like i was sprung Spud. yes i was sprung and uh so we started talking and uh a little bit and i, I go home that night i get a number i think and uh, we go home that i go home that night grandma's up talks to my grandma late night talks were the best with her I go home and I said, Grandma, this is a true story, Kelly. This is really a true story. I said, Grandma, I found the woman I'm going to marry. My grandma's like, yeah, right. And I'm like, dude, this girl was just, I was like, she's beautiful. She's sexy. Just went out through the whole thing. She's nice. She's sweet. Got a good personality. I knew I was going to marry her. Mm-hmm. The first moment I laid eyes, I knew I was going to marry her. So that's the backstory with me and Jasmine. So um, we... W- Boy, I tell you, we we and everybody knew it too. That's that's we all everybody all of our friends said you and Jazz were never gonna split up. But going through our relationship, like kind of circling back, has been you know it's been tough. Uh, the the secret is a lot of people ask me this. Well, the secret to me, I think is is and you're really big on this constant communication. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Her and I have had our ups and downs. Sure. Like it's been and you and I swear to God. I have been fucking faithful every day. I've been married to that girl. Uh, I just, I never understood. I'm, I'm very, uh, what do you call it, monogamous? Like I just, mm-hmm. uh, I, I believe once you take that vow with God, that's it. I mean, we've talked about this. Mm-hmm. A little different views, but um, a little bit, a little bit, yeah, a little, little bit, bit, a little bit different. <laughs> I get roped up into some of this, but um, I, I believe it or not. Um, so there's benefits to it. Yes, for sure. we've had her up and downs, and I took that vow to her. Um, I just didn't want to, I didn't want to end up like my dad. I didn't want to end up going girl to girl. And uh, yeah, so maybe a little bit. Um, Some rebellion. But, but my grandfather and my grandma showed me, now, my grandpa went no peach. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know the whole story behind the old Stepanek. You ain't going to know I won't, I, They're going to die with those secrets. Yep. But just like my family did, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> well, I found a little bit of my own snippet. So we're not yeah. gonna get into that, but uh, but um, I just I don't know, man. I, I, something about that girl, she does it for me. Um, the other thing I would say is continue to date your spouse. My kids fucking hate this, but they'll understand one day in life. I let them run; they go do what they want. They play their sports. I will I'll go broke, getting them to their dreams. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, give them every opportunity, every opportunity to succeed in their dreams. And it can change a hundred times. Well, I'm gonna change with them a hundred times. But Friday night, Friday night is ours. So Jazz and I go out every Friday night and we date and we continue to date and we uh, um, 
Yeah. I just communication and continue. I always say continue to date your spouse is what I always say. Yeah. I think that uh, it might be just, um, she's cool. Geniusly simple is just keep the connection there. If you lose connection and you stop talking about the things that really matter or you feel like I've been in relationships before where I feel like there's certain things I can't talk about because I'm going to upset some mood or, And these aren't like oh, things I think are over the top. These are just normal things yeah. for me. It might be me talking about sex, yeah, but they don't want to talk about it. Uh-huh. And it's like, you are supposed to be there for me in some way as a barrier. And yeah. now I don't feel like I can talk to you about this. Yeah. And now I want to go do, I want to figure this out somewhere else. Yeah. It, I think you're absolutely right. It's when you get caught up into the habits and the cycles of life. Yeah. And I think anybody can relate to this. Yeah. There is no potential wedge right into the heart of a relationship yeah. like a child. Yep. Once you have a relationship and you have a child, the whole dynamic changes. Yeah. You have to do like what you're doing and yeah. go out of your way yep. to make sure that you have your time. Because what happened uh, in my marriage is now all of a sudden either Tish is with the kids or I'm with the kids mm-hmm. or we're both with the kids yeah. and it's never just me and Tish. Yep. It's never me and Kojo. Yep. And you have to absolutely keep that because yep. if you don't, they're going to try to find it somewhere else. Well, and I was just else. talking to a guy about this today. He was like, so many, I don't know what the divorce rate is, but it, it's like half, right? Yeah. Well, you think about hell, I don't know, but you think about this as like, um, okay, so you have kids, right? You have this fairy tale wedding. You have kids. Well, Kids leave. They leave yeah. the nest. Now you're back to this spouse. Well, if you've neglected them for 20 years, 18, 20 years, mm-hmm. or whatever your kids are spaced apart, you've now you got to re you got you got to figure out who you're married to again. Yeah, you may not like them. Right, and that's what happens. So that's when I say, any married couple, if I get any married couple advice, date your spouse, continue to grow. Chaz and I right now are going through, a, I don't know if a low point, but like. She's kicking off her career. Hardest, a challenge, yeah. Hardest, one of the hardest working women I know. And, and, and right now, we're understanding each other again. You know what I mean? I'm kind of figuring out who I who I am. And she's becoming now a successful businesswoman. And it's either I figure it out to go with her or that's it. You know, it's just constant. We're constantly evolving as human beings yeah. and as a married couple. I mean, that's just... I, I think, like, if you have a, a child and yeah. you don't relegate some of that time to just you and the spouse separate from the child. A lot of people have a hard time doing that. Oh, my baby. I don't want to leave my baby. Find a sitter. You have to get somebody that you can trust or get your mom or your dad to take mom or dad responsibilities because you're absolutely right. How often does it happen where, Oh, we're married. Everything's pretty good. That's what we're going to report on social media. But then as, as soon as Sandy leaves senior year, three months later, we're divorced. I fucking hate social media. Social media is. I I know we we go we go we've been rounds on this. I fucking hate social media, and I'll tell you why. Because it makes the average life. I mean, look at me fucking suicides we have with kids. Mm-hmm. Because they see in a perfect world. Well, my wife isn't perfect. Like, I couldn't imagine what the suicide rate is now compared to what it was 25, 30 years ago. I I don't know, but social media is one of the most shallow. Yeah. Uh, full of shit mediums that you can possibly get onto. And 
The reason I say that is because I have firsthand experience yeah. listening to a man talk about how his marriage was in shambles yeah. and about to be ended. Yeah. And then and this is about a fight that just happened that day. Yeah. And then later on that day or the next morning, mm-hmm. I see his wife post on social media. Thank you so and so much for all of these years. And we're so happy. And yeah, I'm like, you ain't yeah, fucking happy. No. You're, you're fronting. So now yeah. your husband yeah. is looking at that and going, you're even more full of shit because yeah. you're lying to everybody about this picture life that you, that you don't have. See, that goes to like what you and Kojo had in that relationship. And that's kind of a good, good segue into this is like, what you see with me is what you get. I act no different around my buddies going out drinking. Yeah. Which I really don't, but go out with my buddies drinking than I do when I'm with my wife. Call it disrespectful, Corey. Whether she likes it or not. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but you'll never catch me being a different person, right or wrong. Right. I am who I am. And you're very similar. Same, you're the same exact way. And that's I, and that's why our wives so, trust us. Exactly. Yeah. And they're so... Look, man. I'm a flirt. I'm a, I'm a stepanic, man. We love women. And I totally get it. But I ain't no woman out there ever going to say, I had an affair with Brent Stepanik. I promise sure. you that one. Yeah. And um, there's a level of respect... I don't change who I am. I am who I am and like it or not. And uh, that's what I love about her. I can be me. Do you know how many guys, this kind of segue off your other, your last podcast, how many guys act so different around their wives than they do when they're with us? So this is important because we talked about masculinity. Yeah. Part of masculinity, uh, clinically proven, yeah, uh, scientifically yeah. studied, is this... Uh, desire yeah. that we have for yeah. women and, and a true uh, m- truly men look at whim, women yeah. more as objects mm-hmm. than women look at men. Fair enough. Women want ex- this experience and men want the experience. Yeah. Um, but if I feel like if I have this masculinity, if I have testosterone, you know what testosterone does to you? Oh yeah. It makes you build muscle. It makes you aggressive yep. and it makes you want to have sex. Yep. If, this happens all the time. Yeah. You get into a relationship. Um, this person that you meet is putting on a front. They yeah. might be putting on a front, you know, psychologically, emotionally, or yeah. even sexually. Yeah. You know, and this is kind of like the, you know, uh, I can edit this out if it's too graphic, but we've all heard about the guy who used to get head until yeah. he got married. Yep. And then he doesn't get head anymore. Yeah. So what was the big change? Well, there was a front being put up. There yeah. was behavior being acted upon. Yeah. Now we're married and you mm-hmm. don't do it which means you didn't like doing it before. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you've changed, which means that you are trying to lure me into this situation that now it's changed. Yeah. If a man who is a pretty primitive and simple creature. Yeah. Doesn't even have the opportunity to go look at the fucking ass on that woman. Yeah. And have their wife go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Something starts to slowly boil. Mm-hmm. inside of them mm-hmm. i feel and there are there are many many men out there many men as my own wife stated she hangs out with dudes has oh, yeah. pretty much her whole life around the athletic yep. circle all they do is talk about sex yep and then when they get around their wife they're the nicest most respectful gentleman you're full of shit yeah. you're lying to yourself yep. you're lying to your wife and those men i argue harbor yeah. this rage yep. inside of them because they're not getting what they want, and a lot of them can't even speak to their wife about what they want. Yeah. Because what they want might be too taboo or, you know, shamed upon or something. Yeah. So um, 
to have a wife like Courtney who doesn't necessarily appreciate my yeah. my eye being drawn to other women. Yeah. She understands it. Yeah, yeah. And it's transparent enough that yep. she knows that it's like it's a little decompression thing. Yeah. If I can look at an attractive woman and just recognize that she's attractive and not be like abrasive or catcall yeah. or anything. Just Dis- disrespectful. But go to Courtney and just be like, Man, she has an amazing body. Yeah. And have her go, Yeah, that's true. I can yeah. see it. That's j- almost just enough for me. If she were to come back and go, I don't want to hear about that immediately. You know me. Yeah. I'd be upset. Yeah. yeah. Like this is a diffusing for me. And I think a lot of men yeah. don't have that diffusing. They just front and then hate themselves. Yeah. Hate their wives and end up going out and doing what? Right. Cheating. Manifesting yep. in some way. Yeah. They're, um, I think that's the one. Of them. That's my number one thing. I think, boy, I tell you, she's very classy too. Like classy is like, not like look at me on instagram I, I'm, I'm i'm doing squats and showing my ass or i'm doing she's got a certain level she has of self-respect so, there it is yeah. thank you self-respect yeah. and i don't maybe i'm just not into this new generation of uh look what i ate look, attention me attention me attention me i, I don't know i'm not that way i don't that. i don't mind look what i ate because yeah. i get it but now <laughs> I, I, I like that food. was a bad term but it, it's more like look at me look at me look, look at me, me look at me look at me and we, we've how many girls have we talked about on that shit um, and, and I really talked to my daughter about that because that's, um, <coughs> Mia's how old now? She's going to be 15. Yeah. So she's she, growing up oh, too fast. Baby. Yeah. It's my baby. Um, not anymore. No, she's becoming a woman now. Um, I, uh, I think that's just what I loved about her is she's classy. That's my number one thing. So she just lets me be who I am. She knows I ain't going to one. One, I ain't going to get much better than that girl right there. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's beautiful. She's smart. She's hardworking. She's you, re- you really won't. No. And people don't. Yeah. They, they, if they get upset or they get frustrated yeah. in their relationship, yeah. they'll start telling themselves yeah. that. But it's not really yeah. true. The dating scene? Mm-hmm. No. No, thanks. <laughs> no, yeah. And I, no boy, I, I love women just as much as the next guy. But at the same time, it's like, I know what I got at home, man. And I yeah. screwed that. I'm not going to screw that up. Um, yeah, but... Man, marriage is tough. It really. You guys, like I said, you got to constantly evolve with them and uh, and with yourself. And uh, you guys grow old together. That's 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 one thing I'm really looking forward to. Uh, I don't want to really age myself or get older, but just growing old with her and being that those awesome grandparents that I had. Yeah, being that for my kids, mm-hmm. breaking the cycle because we both come from broken families. Yeah, that there's no structure in any of this shit. And uh, on both sides of the family. Isn't that weird? Like that might, that lack of structure yeah. might have driven you both yeah. to do the opposite. Oh, it did. You know? I remember still at a, a young choice. age. Still a choice, but like yeah. it might have been yeah. impactful in that. I way. remember being at a young age saying, uh, um, we're going to break the mold is what I said. So we're going to break the mold. We're going to be the difference maker. We're mm-hmm. going to stay together and we're going to be great, awesome parents. And then we're going to be amazing grandparents. And then, you know. Maybe one day people do podcasts about how we were great grandparents. So. But, uh, um, yeah, relationships are tough. Um, They're like a partnership. And if people looked at them more like yeah. a partnership, yeah. they might think about it before they got into it mm-hmm. and uh, approach it differently in it. Yeah. I think people romanticize it too much. Yeah, Romance needs to be in there. Yeah. And connection needs to be yeah. in there. But so does um, a, a willingness or a, a knowing that this isn't going to always be you know, sunshine and rainbows. There's no. going to be dark times yeah. and it's, that's what thin is called. Yeah. Yep. Thick and thin. Yep. And if they won't go through the thin with you, yeah. bail. I tell you, 
what what has been crazy about a relationship is like I mean, I'm gonna be real blunt here is like I remember making five hundred dollars a month living off post four hundred bucks a month living off post hundred have a hundred dollars to my name at the end having a brand new baby having a mattress on the floor poor as poor as fucking poor mm-hmm. she's still by my side to where I'm at now okay. Big difference, huge difference, right? Mm-hmm. Great, I got the nice house, fancy car, whatever. I, it is what it is. Um, and uh, successful. She's been through everything with me. Do mm-hmm. you think I'm going to throw that away for a piece of pussy? I'm good. Yeah. As, as pops would say, posse. Well, and it's now, it's we're, we're a little older, yeah. so it's getting a little easier yep. to curb some of these yeah. thoughts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> At least it is for me. Yeah. But a, a lot of that is just also, yeah, looking at what you have and going, yeah, boy, I'm not taking this for granted because I've done that before. Well, of course, um, I, I've never done it with with Courtney because I made mistakes doing it in the past. We're men, we're stupid. We we think with our dicks. Ab- absolutely, yeah, we really are. And we I, really do. I, I feel like, um, and we've talked about this. I yeah. feel like a lot of the a lot of the problems, and I'm gonna get heat from this. I just I don't care. Fuck off. <laughs> a lot of the problems in the world are yeah. due to the male ego. Yeah, and due to women's emotional instability. Yeah, or irrationality. Yeah. and I. I you know, there, there's probably a woman out there going, you sexist big. Well, there's a lot of women that have told me that they're just more emotional creatures. And yeah. I've done a lot of reading to suggest this yeah, type yeah. of thing. What would your but, mom say? Um, I, th- I think she'd agree. Would she agree? Yeah. Yeah. And she's, you know, she's a, a feminist of the older big order yeah. not now, but, yeah. um, powerful woman. I, there, there are pros and cons of masculine and feminine. Yeah. And in, we used to live in a society that recognized that yeah. they did. They didn't go women means inferior and women yeah. means that. Yeah. Um, they just recognized that there were some inherent quality traits about men yeah. and women that actually countered each other and balanced each other out. Yeah. Um, I don't feel like that's the case anymore. I feel like, you know, men don't act like men yeah. and women are trying not to act like women yeah. because they feel like they've been subjugated or, or, you know, held down and, and they have They yeah. they just recently got rights to vote. Not that long ago. That's crazy. I've changed my view when it comes to women. How like, so? Well, think about it. Grew up in a, male-dominant infantry army. Um, and uh, when I really start respecting uh, women athletics was when I was in the all-army wrestling team. And I seen girls like Tina George, and uh, we're just talking Sarah McMahon about this. Mm-hmm. Tina George and Ira Smith, they they were murking dudes. And mm-hmm. send them home on an airplane. Like, you can't even beat our girls. You think you're going to be on this team? Send them home on an airplane. I'm like, fucking hey, man. These, these, these women are amazing. And then I started meeting like powerful women. Yeah, um, I think I'm surrounded by them. Yeah. Kayla, Angie, Kojo, strong-minded, just confident. yeah. And then it's like, boy, they'll put me. My daughter, they're the exception. They put me in my place. Yeah, and it's are. like, yeah, I respect. There's not it. many either, no. and that's an alarming thing. Yeah. There's there's not many uh, masculine balanced men, yeah. and there's not very many confident yeah. uh, females no, out not. there. And it's I'm so attracted to confident females. It, it the the thing that people don't get, and the yeah. thing that I think even women don't get yeah. is. If for the for the man you're probably looking for, and I'm not trying to say we're the men that we're looking yeah. for, but if you're looking for a confident man, yeah, leave the makeup off, yeah, uh, work out, yeah, get into shape, have respect for yourself, yeah. and just be you. Yeah. Just smile and open your eyes big, yeah. and some dude will just be drawn to you like a moth to a flame. Yeah, that confidence. Yeah. Courtney never wears makeup. No, when she wears makeup, Beautiful. I'm like, what? Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah, that looks weird to me. Yeah, um, she never wears makeup and she never does her hair. Yeah. And so when she does, I notice, but yeah. 
what I really am more attracted to than when she does herself all up is the confidence that she doesn't need to. That's yeah. what I always, that's yeah, what I, I get was it. looking for. Yeah. You know? Um, but I, I feel like the generations that we live in, not the generations of my dad or your grandpa. Yeah. That's a different story. That's they're, a different they're, they're weak, man. They, yeah. they've, I don't care what anybody says. I'm not knocking any specific this age to that age. We are progressively, um, increasingly getting weaker and yeah. weaker mentally and psychologically. It's yeah. just, it's crazy to watch some yeah. of the way these people act out here in the world. And we have to, as business owners, adjust, um, adjust and deal yeah. with this. So, uh, relationships are tough. We know that, but, um, we have really good, strong relationships yeah. with our wives. Yeah. They're not going anywhere, even though they, we, drive, like to we, we drive them. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'm stubborn. I'm hard headed. And they are too. Yeah. Uh, I'm yeah. sure. I don't, I can't speak for Jasmine, but Courtney's hard headed. <laughs> Jazz, Jazz, pretty cool cat. I mean, you, you know her pretty well. Yeah. She's, she lets me do what I want. You yeah. Know what I mean, she's. Well, she, again, that comes down to trust. If you've been with somebody that person. long, yeah, 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 she knows what she can yeah. do. Um, business ownership. Last topic. <laughs> last topic, probably the most volatile. Yeah. Um, it fucking sucks. At times. At times it fucking sucks. And at times it's great. They're, what do you think most people think about business owners? They're rich. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they're rich and they get to do they're so fucking, many cool things. That's the biggest misconception. There is. It's so much drama. Yeah. It's so much stress. It's so much babysitting. Yeah. It's so much just shit. Yeah. That it's exhausting. We're I mean, exhausted right now just even the opening yes. statement. Like we don't even want to talk about it really, <laughs> but we have to address yeah, yeah. it. Um, it seems like every week there Something. is some big fire. Yeah. That needs to be put out and it's not really that big a fire. And I feel like business ownership, I thought the same thing. Oh, it'd be so cool. Set my mm -hmm. schedule. Do all, and all that is great mm -hmm. if you're able to do that. Yeah. But really what you don't take into account is it's 11 o'clock and you're cooking dinner. Yeah. You know, or yeah. uh, it's, it's 630 in the morning and you got a private, yeah. but some little kid pissed all over the floor. <laughs> Through toilet paper in the and, and 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 you don't know if you're because you don't you've seen people walk right up into a puddle of piss you don't know if your client's going to so you have to get down there, that's business ownership. Yep, it's so not. Uh, yeah. uh, Wife screaming at you when you get home. You need to have a work life balance when you're answering yeah, your phone o'clock well, at ten o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. Well, yeah, and yeah. that actually that you bring it up was part of the big friction in my first marriage. Yeah. I committed so much time to mixed martial arts you and training did, and, and yeah. hard drive and shit yeah. that I s didn't spend time with Tish. Yeah. At a time when we were having kids and yeah. she was spending a lot of time with them yeah. anyway, and then I had this passion in my life that like was going to dominate all my time. Yep. She didn't have anything but the family, yep. and I wasn't there. Yep. You know, missed a lot of time out of your kids' life. I missed a lot of time out of my kids' life, and uh, I just recently realized it. I just, in like the last two years, yeah. I was like, wow. I had my Hate kids. graduating this year. Yeah. Blaine next year. Yep. And I've got four years with Ronan. Yeah. And it's it's dawning on me now that my time with Peyton, I've spent more time with Peyton now than I'll ever spend yeah. with her for the rest of yeah. my life. And Isn't that's that crazy a, that she's graduating. It, it's a weird thing to think about because, yeah. you know, you go from having them in, in your life, you know, relatively every day. We have, Tish and I have half and half, but yeah. I see the kids like every day basically. Yeah, pretty much every day. She works and, yeah. Um, but to know that the physical amount of hours and time added up from zero to 18. Yeah. That is by far the most time I'll spend with my daughter in my lifetime. Yep. N from now on with her in college and developing her own life, yeah. it'll become a once a week thing. Yep. If I'm lucky, if yeah, I'm a yeah. lucky parent. Yeah. So, um, that really dawned on me and, uh, I feel like our family does a good job 
yeah. of kind of like every Sunday I go to my mom's house and have yeah. coffee and sit and chill. My dad did that with his parents yeah. for decades. Yeah. So I hope my kids do that with me, but I'm realizing that my time is short and I realize that I don't want to raise any other kids other than my own. Yeah. And that's what business ownership is. It's babysitting yeah. a huge amount of people, clients, staff, all of this stuff. When, yeah. when a big problem comes up, you're the guy that has to solve it. And um, I feel like I'm getting to a point in my life where uh, I want to be less directly involved in it because uh, perception versus reality. My perception was this is going to be the best time in the world. And yeah. reality is it's just really, really hard work. For some reason we must be going for, for, for punishment because we keep opening shit. Well, uh, you know, in, in we the other people would look at us and go, what are you talking about? You guys are a success. Look yeah. at what you have. Yeah. But those people, of course, are, are lacking a very important part of perspective. Yeah. And it is all the extra shit that you have to deal with. Yeah. Wrestling parents, this, that. Right when you think you're getting into a five or six day flow and things are starting to get smooth, yeah. some huge issue happens yeah. and you're like stuck here going, okay, now I have to play cleanup crew. Yep. And it's nonstop. It never stops. Yeah. And that's what business is. But we got 300 members here. 350 members. I have no idea. Between I the two locations, I think I counted it was like almost Maybe between Elite. But yeah. in terms of like in hard drive, it's not a huge gym. Yeah. But it's the same. It's a pretty damn good sized gym. It, it, it is. Yeah. And, and the, the most important thing about it, uh, the story, I think, for hard drive is where it came from. Yeah. That's all you need. All you need to know. If you knew, if you walked into our gym and looked at it and went, wow. And then you said, hey, who started all this? And somebody said, some dudes in their basements yeah. Yeah. taught themselves how to fight. And then now this is the thing. They, they probably wouldn't believe you. They probably think that you were kidding. Shit, you know, it's crazy. It's like you think a hard drive and like, I think a hard drive. I think it's Dave Scherzer and I think of you. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, you guys combine the teams and I, I know the history. But Well, and that was right before. That was shortly before you showed up, right? So we I think I showed up in end of 2008. Seven or eight, I can't remember. Well, we we started training. Dave and I have known each other since like '98. Yeah, but we started unifying the team not all that long before you showed up. But that's the thing. People think that was the beginning. People think like when I recruited Devin and Eric, my brother, and Jesse Lennox and these people that that was the beginning. You We'd started been training were 14 way before years that. old, weren't you? Well, I was 16, maybe. I, I was 14 know. when I like I first started reading Bruce yeah. and martial arts yeah. books and like getting DVDs somewhere in there, early yeah. teens. I yeah. I picked up UFC when I was. Have you ever told the story on your podcast about the beginning? Oh, you? I'm sure I did. Yeah, with you yeah. and your brother, I think you did. But yeah. um, but even when in like '98, when UFC was still in blackout mode and on like Directv only and not cable, they were having these little fights around Iowa in like National Guard armories and stuff yeah. like that. And smokers were they called smokers or is that more of a boxing thing <laughs> they were just unregulated street <laughs> fights like the i'm not shitting you brent the first event that i ever saw live was me and a guy kurt marble from blairstown one of the first guys like, yeah. yeah we went to this armory yeah. where we had heard on the underground forum online which was a little forum of like four thousand people across the country that kept the sport alive for like six years yeah we heard that there was going to be a fight show. It was like a 30, 40 minute drive in some small town. And we're like, what? Like people would really go here. That doesn't sound right. Well, we show up. It's like $10 entrance fee. We put our $10 at the door in the little plastic thing or whatever. And we walk in and there's a bunch of dudes, probably 30 men, 30, 30 to 40 men. Uh, most of them have, or at least half of them or, or a little less have tape taped up hands. Yeah. And, um, 
they're fighting mm-hmm. on a concrete floor with folding tables. You know the folding tables with the tube legs? Oh, yeah. That fold up into yeah. the tables? They're not even on the tube legs. They're just on the floor. There's oh like table, table, table. I don't know. It's maybe three to four tables. It was like four by four or something. But then they took these like military tents or these really industrial canvas carps and they put like three or four layers over it. That's what they fucking fought. That's crazy. I saw an 18 year old kid fighting like a 30 year old man and 30 year old man pinned him down, put his forearm in there and elbowed him. And you could hear his skull hit the table because it was concrete underneath it. You could, you could hear it reverberate. Nobody got paid anything for this event. That's nuts. It was all free. And this was like 98. That's nuts. You know, that's where the sport was. I was a at that sophomore. Point. I was a freshman in high school then, Keone. Yeah. So you were a senior, I think, at that time. Right? Um, 98, I was a senior. Yeah. And, uh, but actually, I wasn't, I wasn't a senior. I was in, living in Belle Plaine. That's right. Yeah. And I dropped out of school at Jefferson. So my whole senior year was spent running around in Jeremy Douglas's Mustang, or not Mustang, his Camaro doing looking for snakes and just being a fucking moron yeah yeah, having a great time yeah yeah. that was when i was like free i moved out of my parents house and um it was wild man i was 16 living with uh 17 finally i turned 17 but tish moved in with me and put myself through high school and all that shit but that's where the real story kind of starts yeah back then and so i think i came in i think it was end of 2001 military 2006 Almost seven years. So I think it was to 08 I came in. Yeah. 08. So it's like, we've, we've been for 10 years. We I remember were, the first time I met you and your brother. At the armory? No. I, oh, I, wait, I uh, came back from, I came back on leave. Mainstream, was it? Yeah. yeah. You and your brother fought. I'm like, these guys are fucking good. Yeah. Like, I remember, I remember um, thinking like, these Coke brothers, man, they got, they got a hell of a future fucking ahead of them. And uh, that's when uh, um, I just get out and, um, and I think... I was introduced. Well, Bo, I knew Bo. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we lost touch after high school, but um, saw Bo. I talked to Bo, and you're like, "Yeah, you guys should, you guys should come train." And uh, I came and trained. First night was wrestling night. I did very well. Second night was stand up. I got my ass kicked. Learned some lessons. Fucking ass kicked. And I was like, I, I got to know this. The funny thing is, I remember that. Do and you? I, rem- I remember. I remember um, who you were sparring. I could tell he was taking advantage of your inexperience yeah. and it pissed me off. It was just stand up. Yeah. It was just stand up. And so he was have been different. He he yeah. knew what he could do and yeah. he knew that you're inexperienced. Yeah. So he took it to you. Yeah. And I was like, you don't take it to other people like this. Yeah. So the next round I sparred him and he just, pissed out it little, just belittled him <laughs> little guy chasing him around, beating the shit. Out yeah, of him. Yeah, yeah. And like, that's one of the things that I miss about our gym. And we still have that to a degree yeah. here. Hmm. Um, we have a really good positive attitude, but when somebody stepped out of line, there was always somebody that was going to check. Dude, I remember when we first started, when I first started, I was scared to come to fucking practice. Like, fuck, I've been through war, man. Like, everybody uh, is. I was nervous. I had butterflies. Like, fuck, am I going to survive a day fucking practice today? Yeah, everybody was. That's what people don't get. Everybody's no. nervous. We see, they see the, the classes now and the structure. And the, and they're scared of that. Good morning, ma'am. Or, yeah. you know what I mean? Good afternoon, sir. The polish, the polish, Brent Keone. But back in the day, well, and back, the, like back man. in the day, um, even even with what we have now, people are scared to come in here. I know. And this is like a nice, clean, big, beautiful facility, yeah. and there's still people that just shit their pants with the idea. It bugs me to know that there's adult men and women out there, yeah, that want to do this, yeah, and they don't because they're afraid. Right. Because when I was a kid, that's how I was, yeah. and it was like 
miserable. Mm-hmm. You, 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 you're living in misery of who you want to be, but won't allow yourself yeah. to be letting fear dictate yep. your life. And most people come in here, what do they say? I can't believe this. Like, I can't believe I didn't come in here before. You know, one comes to mind is Cortland. She Cortland. So yeah. I remember we said, there's no way this girl's going to make it. Yeah. I had my doubts. I, I, no, I, I literally said that when I saw this, she was shaking when she signed sh- shaking like a leaf. But I tell you what, she's bad. Yeah. She's tough. Well, she's, she's she, just, she's, she had a dinner. She did. You know, she, she did. She, and this is what's so great about martial arts is when Cortland came in, she was shaking like a leaf. She didn't think she could do it. She didn't want anybody to touch her. She didn't yeah. want to touch anybody else. Now she's a blue belt. She's working into blue belt. And the other day when I was in Costa Rica, I reached out to her. I'm like, Hey, you know, you, you, you've been around for a while. Are you comfortable taking women's only class? Mm-hmm. And she hit me back. I don't remember what she said, but she said, I don't think I'd be comfortable. I didn't. I read it, but didn't send anything back for like three hours. Yeah. And so like an hour later, I get another message. Okay, I'm going to do it. But I think Tanner's going to help me. I'm like, okay, good. Good for Cortland, though. But she taught it. Yeah. And Tanner's like, yeah, she did a really good job. Yeah. I knew she would. Um, but she was kind of excited that she got through it. Yeah. And it wasn't as hard as she thought. And I go, now I want you to think back. This is really important to do consistently. I want you to go back to day one mm. and I walk up to you and go, Cortland, can you teach a class on something that you might know a little bit about? Not even martial arts, maybe radio. Yeah. She wouldn't have been able to do it. Yeah. She wouldn't have been able to, she's a radio personality. Yeah. She wouldn't have been very able, good at her job. Too. She wouldn't have been able to get in front of our live group of martial yeah. artists and do that because she was so nervous. And yeah. I'm like, look at you now. You're yeah. teaching martial arts yeah. to other women. You are so much stronger and so much further along than you were before. There will come a point through martial arts that you'll realize there really isn't any limits and you can do whatever you want. If you can embrace somebody trying to strangle you and have a good time with it, mm-hmm. everything else in life, you know, Joe Rogan said, it's like turning the volume down on life. Yeah. And I think that's, there's a lot to that. That's why people see it medicinal. Yeah. And I think that's probably something that helped you a lot coming back from the war. You've got this camaraderie, brotherhood, mm-hmm. and you can do something physical yeah. that brings some Which kind I of needed. Yeah. Um, that's what makes me think of like, you know, talking about her being an owner or seeing success stories. You know, it makes me also think of Seth too. Um, mm-hmm. I wasn't close to Seth like you're close to Seth and Bo was close to Seth. I have a lot of respect for Seth. I, we, we, we talked. Um, but his mom, I remember that call that his mom gave us or she called, I think she called, didn't she call me? I think it was at Blaine's basketball game when I got the news that he uh, took his life. I, I, uh, but I remember her saying, thank you for giving her son another year, year and her two, no, years, two, three two, years, two, three years, yeah. because that's just how he was programmed. And, uh, she felt he might take his own life like quite a bit before. Yeah. And, but he found a place where it gave him a little, give them a little bit more time. And, and I think that like, I was talking to Jesse about this this morning with all the shit that we had going on, but, um, I was talking to Jesse about it this morning. I don't look at dollars, right? Money's good, right? Money's great. But I look at, like, um, seeing the success stories, paid by success story, success stories of people that have they've saved their life. I think of guys like Jerry Downing, where he'd be if he didn't have this place in the beginning. I think of, like, myself. I think of Seth giving his mom, his parents, two to three more years. I think of somebody like Cortland teaching um, I think of a lot of these success stories, and there's just there's so many more. Boy, I tell you what, it's really great and gratifying to see us change. Keone, I know you get a lot of flack, and I know that a lot. No, of, yeah, I, I know on. that a lot of people have turned their back on you as a friend. But I tell you what, man, you're 
you're a great human being. I, and I will straight say that. Like, all it is is communication with you. We don't always agree upon everything. We don't. We fight. We're mm-hmm. brothers, right? Um, that's the that's the trust. That yeah. that is, the, and it's just like it's just a conversation. But what you've done, and I've got to be a part of this the last seven years, and, and I would say I, I've done quite a bit to get it to where it's at right now. But like it, it started somewhere, and I think with you and Dave, and yeah, you guys have given us a hell of an opportunity to do what you guys. It's been a great great ride, um, and uh, saved a lot of people's lives. So I think no matter whatever happens with hard drive in the future, um, you know, and for an open for another 20 years if we decide screw it and we're done one day um i think it's been it's been a hell of a ride it's been fun it's been great to be a part and we've of impacted seen a lot people. of people's lives yeah we've impacted a lot of people oh, yeah. look that's... at what you've done with the police officer thing yeah yeah well um again women's self-defense it's, it's, on forever. It, you know uh these are just uh we really a lot of people have a piece of this yeah i'm just a dude with ideas and yeah i've been stubborn enough to push this thing along that yeah. it's now a snowball and i can i can work with it yeah it's it's nice now to be able to go um hey i see a problem in society mm-hmm. and i'm in a place financially where i can give out free time if yeah. i want to yeah to these police officers and yeah. it'll help my society i remember reading that a true definition of success is not when you get everything you want that's when you can give everything that you used to want away when, yeah, you can give those, when you can give those gifts to somebody else. Yeah. And um, to be able to go from a kid that was reading Bruce Lee books and watching VHS tapes to having people come up to me pretty regularly in this journey, yeah. you know, uh, on a monthly or biannual basis mm-hmm. and go, hey, coach, mm-hmm. I didn't really just need to tell you, you changed my life. Um, mm-hmm. There's been some heartbreak, you know, like I think about Seth all the time and we have yeah. a memorial for him and I think about where he'd be now yeah. and what a fucking crazy talent he was he was so talented um but i also know that in some of those uh sadder areas there's triumphs um i know that seth losing seth made me completely reformat my own level of discipline yeah and go this kid didn't even get half a chance he was close he was close to making it out Mm -hmm. and he didn't so i have now a responsibility that i have to live kind of for this guy and then dad passed away and then it was just like hyperdrive now i got to go into it but You've been doing this how many years? How long have you been in business? Or like how long how long have you been we've been dealing for seven years. When did when did you take over as a business and become an actual uh LLC I wanna say two thousand ten. So uh, we're or early two thousand eleven. So we're going on what, eleven years? Ten, eleven years. Ten, yeah. eleven years. That's I've been a part of it seven years, and it's been yeah. It's, it's and before that, it was ten years of no business, but yeah. building gyms and yeah. taking dues to pay for bags, and like it was a club. Yeah. So I wasn't running a business before then, yeah. but I was still incredibly responsible for keeping this training thing alive. If if Dave and I didn't have a place to train, people wouldn't have. No. You no. know, people. I remember a couple of times in this. You know, I remember a couple of times when I was just training and I was just a student. That uh, there was times that we were fucked, dude. We almost lost places of train, and we did split up for a split second. And then you started Valhalla, and it was like uh, we had stations all think, over. Or, the place. I don't know what the whole scenario was with there, but we had a place to train, and then like uh, at the old boxing gym at Valhalla, we centralized because I moved back, had my gym, D- uh, Debo had his, yeah. and Dave had his basement, yeah. and and we were like, we need to get these people together. We got people coming over to my house on Tuesday going over there. It was watered down. Yeah. So we were keeping the, the trinity. We were keeping the connection together yeah. of these groups. Yeah. But we were watering ourselves down by not all getting together. Yeah. And so um, when Damien told me that 
<coughs> Mike was leaving the boxing gym yeah. and that this was opening up and he was in good cahoots. I was like, well, this place isn't ideal. Yeah. It's small, but mm-hmm. we can centralize here. So, so I've always had, I wanted to ask you a question. Mm-hmm. So you're 100% business owner. Mm-hmm. You said, hey, Brent, I want to sit down. We remember we went to Napoli's. We sat down and you go, go I'm going to Na- give you Go half. to Napoli's. Great Italian place. Talk to Goni. Tell him Keone and Brent sent you. Yes. Or Brent. Shout Keone. out, right? Good, um, good people. He said, "Hey, what made you seek? I mean, you, there was a lot of guys like like we were we were really good friends at the time, but like there was guys like Jesse, Bo, all these guys that have been here for a long time. And fair enough, they rightfully deserved it more than I did. But what made you? I always wondered this. What made you pick me out of everyone? Um, you know, I, I, I knew that I needed to get somebody to." I knew the gym was growing so yeah. so much that it was going to get to a point soon that I yeah. couldn't handle it all. Yeah. And I didn't want to allow I didn't want the gym to fail someday because of my inability to evolve and yeah. recognize a problem. Yeah. Um I looked around to all of the people uh that were with me. Eric at the time was in Rufus Fort training yeah. with Duke. Yeah. Um Bo was the oldest consistent training yeah. partner I had from, you know, Jesse at this point was now uh, EMT and then going into a firefighter. Yeah. He spent yeah. some time at Pats and Davenport. Yeah. But um, the next logical choice would have been Bo, but I didn't know if Bo really was interested in. Yeah. He, he had a pretty good position. You yeah, know what did, I mean? Yeah. And I didn't know if he wanted to come in and take half of the business. Yeah. I think he, at the time, um, uh, I just felt like you were more interested and yeah. more uh, capable as a salesperson. Yeah to push this to a thing, yeah. a place where we'd end up in a place like this. Uh, at the time I wanted to eventually, I had every intention actually of going further and splitting this up because I never wanted to be a sole owner. I wanted yeah. this to eventually be a collective yeah. where we're all getting paid to do mm-hmm. the things that we love. Well, life doesn't work out like that all the time. And, um, I felt like you could just do the job better. Yeah. You had a sales experience. You were good with people. You had a huge network. Yeah. People didn't like me. They liked you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you had a certain couth yeah. is a word you like to use, yeah, yeah, couth. uh, where you can talk to people, you're sociable yeah. and you were able to, I felt like you were able to do the things that I didn't, I wasn't strong at. I didn't want to do yeah. and that we're going to need more attention in the, in the coming years. Remember the first thing that we did as business partners pissed a lot of people off. What? Kicked out DMX. Um, yeah. Well, I, like I said, it wasn't a kick out. Let's clear that fire that. Because I still get flacked for this it, shit. It, this it wasn't a kick out. It was them not doing what they were supposed to. It yeah. was the leadership of that club not paying their bills and getting kicked out. Yeah. Well, it was that. But we offer. I offered him that position. I offered said, "Hey, I think more more of than all that because it wasn't all that. It was it was more of like I, we wanted to brand everything hard drive. Yeah. Yeah. That's we, what it was. We, it, well, that was a big part of our decision. Was yeah. that. There was no need to continue to prop up other yeah. brands yep. and then have those brands march out of our doors. Like hard drive got to where it was because it was a collective effort. But yeah. along the way, there were a lot of people who tried to take a piece of that collective effort. Yeah. And that club was one of them. Yeah. Um, they, they paid, they paid, but I know also know there were times they were late. I yeah. also know there was time where money didn't quite add up to what attendance looked like. Yeah. Um, on top of all of that, now I have somebody building this big brand yeah. and paying X amount that they agreed to, but they're taking up space now. Mm-hmm. So we had to split our gym in half. Yeah. Before that, we had to, I willingly split my gym in half for a, a, a gym, a strength and conditioning gym. Yeah. 
and uh, they took half of the gym. They, yeah. We took the other half. Yeah. It worked for a while, but then we had to move up. But it's not easy. I think the thing about being that was tough because the guy I actually have a lot of respect for him. I think he he was a he was an amazing amazing coach, and he's produced a lot of the great athletes wrestlers that are that are out here right now. Um, he was a great coach, and that was that was kind of a tough deal. And I you know he felt a certain way about me, and um, and I never wanted to do that. Wasn't my intentions. My intentions were to brand. It was a strictly a business move. And well, it's business. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like it can't be personal, and that's probably yeah. the hardest thing yeah. about business is you have to separate yourself. Yeah. From the emotion, and it's mm. very difficult to do oh, that yeah. because you're, we are wrapped up in these people's lives. So, yeah. when we have one of these issues that becomes an issue for us, like we're concerned about it. You yeah, know? we want to see it, we well, want to see it handled. But it was, um, it was it was tough. But I knew that you would be out of all of the people. I felt like your personality yeah. and what you were capable of could yeah. do one thing, and that's generate money. Yeah. And that's what we needed. We needed capital. We needed to be yeah. seen, and we needed to grow. We went on a mission. To it get was sponsorships. Remember that? Yeah, it was it was a growth thing yeah. for you. When I thought about what do I want to do with this, I want to grow it to a place where yeah. it can sustain wages, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. Out of the people that I was working with in their life situations at the time, yeah. you were the best candidate. Yeah, that well, was fair it. enough. I've yeah. always kind of wondered that, but yeah, we've done it. We shit. There was a time that there was a time that you left your job, and you went back to work. Mm-hmm. I left my job, which just <laughs> jazz about killed me. It was a six-figure job, and I leave, and I, and I, um, she's like, you know, she, she stood by me. There's another, there's that other time, right? And that was when Boston was, was just had Boston. It's a shitty, it's a shitty just job. five years ago, almost five years ago. Shitty job. It was a shitty and, job. And uh, we got we got off the ground there really well. That was, uh, um, I think you implemented the um, BJJ. Uh, affiliation mm-hmm. um, Duke came in with uh, the kickboxing affiliation and uh, there's some trial and error there and just streamline wrestling it. and what I think business does is it teaches you what really what people really are yeah and I think a lot of times we live in this fantasy world where um, we, we, we we make small talk yeah we bullshit we post on social media about mm-hmm. how great our life is yeah. and um, what running a business will do is give you some of the best rewards mm-hmm. that you can get in life, yeah. but it will also teach you some of the truest lessons about um, what human nature is really like. Yeah. And the unfortunate reality is while there are a lot of uh, shiny, happy people that are supportive and positive and do great yeah. things, yeah. there are those mm-hmm. that say they are, they pretend to be, they talk the talk, but when it comes to walking the walk, they Business will teach you that people will stab you in the back on a moment's notice. Uh, you know, it's funny you say that. I've never had an enemy in this world to become an old business owner. Mm-hmm. I got along with everybody. Yep. I've got more enemies. I don't think I got a lot of enemies, but there's some people that probably want to see me fall my ass. When people, well, yeah, when you're put yeah. in a position um, that people that people see it as a position of privilege or power, whether it be a head coach, yeah, or a business owner, mm-hmm. or both. People are going to hate you. Yeah. You know, and you could like, I've went so far out. I'm not doing this anymore. Mm-hmm. I've went so far out of my way to please yep. the and keep the balance. Yep. And now I'm in a place in my life where I'm not looking out for you anymore. Yep. You're a grown ass person. You do it yeah. on your own. I'm going to develop this business, grow it. And if you can use it, you can use yeah. it. If you can't, it's on you. But I used to try to please everybody. I used to try to go, oh, well, how is this going to impact this person and that person? Are they going to get upset? Can I somehow make a position for this person? Now it's like, 
I believe in martial arts. Yeah. I know what it does for people. Mm-hmm. How can I get it to the most people, yeah. the most uh, effective way possible? And fuck the people that, that want to see you fail. The people that yeah. want to see me fail, the people that are uh, toxic. We had some toxic elements yeah. on our team mm-hmm. back in the day. Mm-hmm. The, some of these uh, people that trained with us were so toxic that yeah. we had to literally remove them from the gym. Yeah. These are people that we would have called OGs back in the yeah. day. Yeah. People that trained at Valhalla, but they, were, friends. they were so yeah. toxic and they were so undermining of any kind of authority. Like I would have people, um, I won't name any names, but there's this, this cat that ducked people in the gym. And this was kind of known mm-hmm. and kind of laughed about amongst the elite yeah. in our gym that this guy was a, a serial ducker. Yeah, yeah. Even though he was a pretty tough yeah. cat and that's what he, you know, advertised, yeah. he would duck like Bo and me and my brother. Well, uh, I sparred with this guy. One of the, the last time I ever trained with him was MMA practice. They had begged me to do MMA practices yeah. again. I go, okay, fine. I'll do MMA practices again. Yeah. But if you motherfuckers don't show up yeah. for five days, the team yeah. is canceled. And yeah. so then when they had a really good fight night yeah. and they decided to take a week off and came back, I go, I'm not, I, this is holes to fill. I got a yeah. business to run. You yeah. guys aren't here. It's my time. Yeah. I'm not fucking around with you anymore. The last practice we had was a boxing only practice mm-hmm. where I saw a Mayweather fight and I was like, you know what? I haven't done pure boxing in a while. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to train with the MMA team and no kicks, just hands. Yeah. I throw on the boxing gloves and I haven't done this for a while. You know, I don't spar seriously yeah. anymore, but I'm like, Hey, let's see what I got. With the old man still got yeah, it. Yeah. I spar with this guy who I'm talking about. Who's a boxer. Yeah. And we usually don't talk about what happens in the gym, but since I'm not saying this guy's name, I'll just say it. I whooped this dude's fucking ass. Yeah. He didn't touch me. He didn't yeah. punch me. And I think in the last 10 years, he's hit me like twice. Mm-hmm. No big deal. Uh, it doesn't surprise me. I train with some of the best people in the gym and yeah. he trains with a, one or two people that he can beat yeah. up. No big deal. Hey man, I need to spar with you more. That was really good. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I hope so, but yeah. I don't expect anything. Uh, I then go straight from this practice over to kickboxing and I'm teaching people a, a button hook, a check yeah. hook. Yeah. I'm teaching something that my brother knocked out Rafael Asunsa with yeah. cold. Yep. I'm teaching something that I just landed on this guy yeah. two to three times in our sparring match uh, when I was whooping his ass. Mm-hmm. I get a report after I leave that this individual marched right over the person, was listening, you know how he does, yeah. listening and going in the corner. As soon as I walk out and I go down, yeah. I go to the shitty house I live in down the street so that I can be by the gym. He walks over to this person and goes, hey, you don't want to throw a hook like that. Yeah. That's never going to land. Yeah. I used to go, okay, he's my teammate. How can I make, how can I have this conversation yeah. with him? And, and now I'm just like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, yeah. You're cancer. It, well, you know, business, business, what I've learned, I always refer to this, this documentary I saw about Donald Trump. Um, I'm going to tread lightly here because it's politics, but, um, Oh, <laughs> fuck them. so Donald, Donald did this special with Barbara Walters and he was really sweet. He was nice. He wasn't Donald Trump that we see now. Right. And I think I'm like, what changed in all this time where he acts the way he does and how brace he is and how cold he is. How's that? I kind of get it now. Not yeah. I mean, not to that scale scale. We're a small business, right? But, that dude's probably. Can you imagine everybody had his hand in the cookie jar? With it it makes you cold. It do, It really does. It like does. it's like, look at Jasmine, the nicest and sweetest person that you'll mm-hmm. meet. Wants to see, never wants to see you fail. 
Yeah. Some of her best friends have mm-hmm. turned their back on her. And I'm not sitting here saying, well, let's play the victim, play the victim, play the victim. People are fucking shitty. Yeah. They, they really are. And I've learned what people really are because I'm a big cheerleader for people. You know that. Like, yeah. I, I want to see the good in everybody. But, man, I tell you, I, it just blows my mind. Like, uh, uh, seeing what they've done to her, see what they've done to us. Uh, it, it just really, really blows my mind. Um, a lot of victims. Yeah, people play a lot of victim out there. When you're confident, yeah, um, you want to see people win. Why would you not if want to see people if win? If you're be, because you're miserable, yeah, because you're not winning, yeah, because you don't feel like you're yeah. winning. So, what I think this comes down to is, um, you have people like you know that have kind of turned our back on us, at least from our perspective in the yeah. gym. They want you to do well. Yep. If it benefits them, absolutely. But the minute that you do well or you start to attain a level of success that they envy mm-hmm. and they feel like they're not getting a, a reciprocating uh, benefit from it, mm-hmm. that's when the real truth comes out. The people in hard drive now are such that when you get striped or belted, mm-hmm. they're genuinely happy. Yeah. Um, there are people that Look have, at Nick. Look at Nick's face. He was like right. the, I never see emotion out of this guy and he got promoted. But you know like what? The, the, the place that we were at before, Nick's got a really uh, trashed knee. Like yeah. full of scar tissue, yeah. high. So he can't compete on the highest level of competitiveness like some martial artists can yeah. and love to do, like roll. Yeah. The hard drive that was the fighter hard drive. Mm-hmm. There were a couple of those people in there that instead of going, man, Nick works his ass off. He's drilled with Keone for hundreds of hours. He understands the sport. He yeah. can teach people what yeah. Keone teaches. They go, he's not even rolling. Yeah. That's the ego in the bullshit that we've had to deal with in the past. But what, what business will do is it will bring in, uh, it, it will show you some of the lowest. Yeah. It will show you people that act a certain way to get whatever it is that you can give them. These are the ones that want favors. Yeah. Right. But then when it comes time to do you a favor, yeah. they're nowhere to be found. And, and if they, if they feel like you are getting something, like a lot of people felt like I didn't deserve to be, the owner and head coach of hard drive, which is fucking hilarious yeah. because all of the people that thought that yeah. started training like 10 years after I did. Like yeah. I was the first guy. Well, it's funny that they say, you would say that because literally if I think about everybody that I, who have I always had in my corner when I fought me and Dave, there it is. And yeah. both. Yeah. The most experienced guys, the most experienced guys, the most people I respect, the leaders of the team. Right. E- who from- I look at even, even Bo doesn't train here much anymore. I look at Bo as like, he 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 he's a go-to guy. An elder. You're a, yeah, exactly. He's an elder. Like, and he's a, one of my best friends. Like we have a great group. And but still, if I was going to compete again, you, Bo, Dave. Yeah. That's who I have in my corner. Well, and if uh, if if I had at the time that I started mm-hmm. doing this, some sensei, yeah, who was a jujitsu black belt or a Muay Thai champion mm-hmm. or a, or even a mixed martial artist that was accessible to me at that time. Yeah. They would be my coach. Absolutely. That w- I wouldn't question them. And even t- five, ten fights down the road, yeah. if they had a little bit of advice that I didn't agree with, I'd still listen because that's mm-hmm. my job as a student to yeah. think and to consider. That's not everything that we dealt with. What we dealt with, people getting to five or ten fights and then finding out that they weren't really trying to be our good friends. They mm-hmm. were trying to get something from us. And when they yeah. found out that it was gone, yeah. they were gone too. Yeah. Um, We've lost a lot of people over the years. We have. And, and the funny thing about hard drive is um, I love hard drive. The people now don't know anything about what no, we went through, which is know. which is kind of sad. They, <laughs> yeah. they, they know bits and pieces yeah, yeah. because they hear us talking about Valhalla's locker rooms and stuff oh, like boy. that. 
but um, they don't know. And the people that, that trained back then, mm. they don't know any of the yeah. people now. And some of them may or may not give credit to the people that we have in now. And we have some incredibly talented people on this team. Oh, yeah. Um, but all that being said, um, I really, really enjoy the atmosphere that we have. Yeah. Uh, and, and we've created and yeah. only what the only reason we've been able to create that is because as bin business owners, yeah, we could identify these people that were going to undermine our business yeah. and we had to, Unbreaks. we had to get them out. Um, what I think is really cool. What I think the coolest part about this place is right. I talked about, um, uh, what we've done to be able to save people's lives and train with law enforcement and you know, all that good stuff. But I think it's really cool seeing guys like Lonnie have mm -hmm. a job. Yeah. Eric, have a job. You have a job. And it's like... It's to do what you love. And to the get paid old for school, it. as you call OGs, right? The that's OGs, what we talked about. That's, that's, that's what, we what we talked, talked about, about back in the day. Right. And I remember that before I even came aboard seven, eight years ago. That That's what we talked about. And we've given these guys opportunities and futures where they're on payroll. They're getting yeah. paid a good salary to do what they love to yeah. do. That's the dream. Yeah, it is, it is. It is the dream. Now, now look at it. Now, I think some people lost faith. I think along the way, took it took a lot of time and work. Cause Fuck, we were, sometimes we lost the faith. We were too, grassroots. You know? like, yeah. And there was times that I yeah. wanted to quit, but I think what happened was a couple people on the team started getting in each other's ear. Yeah. Questioning how I was running things yeah. and making assumptions. I can tell you this right now. There are three or four people that used to be members of this team yeah. that never believed for a second that this would happen. Would ever happen. Dude. I remember getting me getting attacked. <laughs> because you like you know like because they had a problem with you I, I remember what they used to say but it was like it's they, like they could never tell you i was shysty not not shy is it shysty not shysty but uh it was like uh all i cared about is money i'm like in a sense yeah we have a business like we this doesn't if i don't hustle and we don't that, build programs this place doesn't survive but that's not even how we we're not that great of business owners. No, I, I think we're, I think we've gotten way better. I think we're we have, pretty good now. We have, yeah. but we were not Fuck no. running the business the way we want. What was happening was yeah. these people who had nothing better to do because yeah. they weren't working and yeah. doing shit, but staring and looking at our class numbers were going, people that have never run a business yeah. were going one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, eight times this much. Yeah. He's rich. Yeah. He's rich. Well, uh, they forget about his taxes, insurance, insurance, lease, lease, utilities. Oh yeah, equipment. Absolutely. But but all. but uh, the the same person that was questioning how much money I was getting paid yeah. and, and trying to get in the ear of other people saying that I was filthy rich, which I think has been proven <laughs> by the fact that I have not bought a new vehicle. <laughs> I'm still driving the beater. Um, they were making all of these assumptions. This guy that was making these assumptions, yeah. he was coming in at midnight. He had a key. He didn't yeah. pay anything. He yeah. never paid anything to train. He trained for free because he was a Bellator or whatever fighter. He would come in and train at like midnight when nobody was there with yeah. two or three people, leave the lights on and then roll out. And then the next day, talk to somebody about how I'm capitalizing off all yeah. their hard work. This is the same guy that told me he never wanted me to mention his name in hard drive ever again. Yeah. And I said, well, you can mention my name whenever you want. It's good. Yeah. I, I never understood. I, I tell you this. I we, this is going back to. I've said this in this podcast. You how in the fuck? Okay, this literally is communication. We've had our bits. We've had our fights. We've had our gripes at each other. It's two men getting mm -hmm. together, and 
hashing it out. Yeah, and you know what? I the, all the people that I have never been able to hash it out with left. They they left, but yeah. or they got pushed out yeah. forcefully. Yeah, they could have never argued with me. Yeah, and they know it. Yeah, and that's part of the reason that a lot of people don't like me is I'll sit down and I'll argue with you. Yeah. Especially and, if you feel like you're right. Right. Yeah. And if you're one of these guys that's all excited about your alpha male status, yeah. I'll tell you exactly how you're yeah. full of shit. And a lot of people, the realest people out there, the people that are still around, yes. they love that. Yeah. They, they don't love it right away. No. It stings right yeah, away. Yeah, yeah. But they're like, you know what, though? Keone said some shit that wasn't comfortable, which means he gives a fuck about me. Otherwise, he wouldn't waste yeah. his time. They're weak. Yeah. And they'll look at me, and because they want maybe something that I was willing to work for. Mm -hmm. They want to spend their time not helping me help them and, yeah. and doing a communal thing, but talking to other people yeah. about how I'm not going to do it for them. Yeah. Well, look at them now. Like I'm not going to try and rub shit in their face, but one thing that's really frustrating to me about business with hard drive is this. Um, I trained at hard drive. Was, was that my original team name? Oh, it was hybrid faction on it. Well, before that, it was Team Pain. I did, I, hell, I didn't even know that. Well, somebody thought that up. That wasn't my really? name, but I, my name was on the t-shirt and I still have it. <laughs> oh, Team Pain. Team Pain, huh? Team Pain. <laughs> so cheesy. I got that is, I that got is, if that don't say meathead, I don't know what it does. It does. And yeah. it, was, it was silly, but we were young and stupid. Mm -hmm. So then it was Hybrid Faction Combat Club. Yeah, what the hell so, does that even mean? Uh, well, it's a hybrid faction group of people and yeah. it's a combat club so it's probably a little more wordy but you know me i like to go over the top. Over a little eccentric but i drew up a logo and everything it's yeah. pretty cool actually we yeah. still got the shirts i in, remember in storage. The logo yeah, yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, it looked like the bottom of a bullet yeah uh so i had my club and dave was training uh he was working first shift and then training in the afternoon mm -hmm. i was working second shift and we were training like nine o'clock at night mm -hmm. so we didn't get together very often and train but we did from time to time like oh it's a weekend i'm gonna go over dave's work in the garage or whatever so um, I built, I put my team together. I had my five guys, you know, the original five, and we were we were fucking machines. Yeah. Like we were gangsters all day, all the, night. The, the the hardest training sessions I've ever had was not in Valhalla. Yeah, it was in that basement yeah. with those four guys. Yep, um, and they were the best, most concentrated uh, pool of people when we were in the heyday that yeah. I've ever trained with. Uh, so. Dave and I hadn't trained together very much, but we had kind of agreed. Dave's a, a master motivator, and he'll mm. pull things out of you that other people won't. I, I refer to Dave as, um, God, he reminds me of Dan Gable. Yeah, he's a driver. He really is. Um, yeah. I'm a strategist and a, a technical artist. Very, very and so nice. together we worked well together. Yeah, and did. Dave would go, hey, coach, show us this leg lock. I'd do it, and then he'd fucking you know, kill us. <laughs> but um, with uh, Dave... Uh, he was training with Grub, and he had a couple people going to his garage uh, or his basement, but we hadn't trained for a long time, yeah. and I don't think he realized the level that we were playing at now. Yeah. So I sent Jesse over to him. Jesse's like, I need more cross training. He had weird hours. Who should I go to? Dave, Dave. right yeah. across town. Yeah. So he goes and trains over there, and him and Tom become very good friends and are similar you know, builds. And uh, uh, so Dave's like, hey, I want to bring John, John Strawn over and uh, train with you guys mm -hmm. some night, late night. We won't train during the day. Come on, good come over and uh they kind of get handed a little bit yeah. like uh there's this new talent that's 16 or 17 years old that's submitting a pro fighter over cool. and over and over yeah. kicking people in the head was that bow that he kicked in the head it, he eric kicked everybody in the head at, yeah. at some point in time i think bow talks about but, it. i think bow talks about that yeah that was the first night he was in his eric <laughs> walloped him and uh but 
but it wasn't just Eric at that point. Now yeah. everybody was good. Mm-hmm. They were Dave. Kind of w- was like, "Whoa, I had no idea that you had this group of guys and yeah. that they were all this talented." He thought that Jesse was like an anomaly because Jesse's a freak. Yeah, he is. But um, then he came over and found out that this little pool was really, really deep. Yeah. And he goes, "Coach, something that's still true to this day." Yeah, I was not big enough. Cedar Rapids isn't big enough for us to have two teams. Yep. We need to be working together if we want to represent our sport in our state. Okay, mm. let's make it happen. Yeah, there was no thought at all, no. and when when the, even the idea, f- the very next thing that popped into our head is what about name? I went, okay, well look, this guy's older. He's been doing martial arts longer than me technically. It's a respect level. He's right? got Team Hard Drive. He's yeah. been running this for a while. John's fought under this moniker. I love this dude. I've trained with him. Team Hard Drive. If you don't know what that means, the harder you the harder you work, the more I'll drive you. Right. That's well, what, that's what the what, theory behind it what, was. What he did, Dave, as I understand it, and this was something John told me, Dave, uh, liked Harley Davidson's. Yeah. He liked the bikes and he used to have one back yeah. in the day. But, um, hard drive really is based on the work ethic of John Strawn. Yeah. John Strawn had what a pioneer, a motor. I've never, I've never seen a motor. Unbelievable. Like anybody. He's like a clay Guida. They are very similar. They he, fought each they other. actually did yeah. fight, fight each other, but, um, John would just go and go and go. And John wasn't, he, he would admittedly tell you he's not the most technical person, but yeah. his, his tenacity and fero- uh, ferocity, he just overwhelmed people. Yeah. He just break people's will. He wasn't the most, like, he wasn't the most skilled, if I could say and that's that. that's why he'd fuck people fuck, up. Fuck, man. Because they'd go. all over. You couldn't breathe. I remember going against like, him. I couldn't breathe. like a caveman. Right? Yeah, yes. So that was where hard drive um, really came from yeah. was was uh, Dave going, hey, look, guys, we're outclassed. Yeah. We don't have a black belt. We don't have a Gracie. We yeah. don't have boxing coaches. We have each other, and we can work harder. Yep. They're going to be more technical than yep. we are in some situations, yep. but we can outwork everybody. Dude, that that's why I say it's Dan Gable. Dan Gable just talked about that in Joe Rogan's yeah. podcast. He would... That that's what I why I was so good. What they figured out at a young, what young coaching Dan Gable figured out at a young age, was he could he would make sure he, they outworked you because if if you don't know Dan Gable who he is you need to look him up. But his work ethic was you can so go to hell if you don't know yeah, Dan Gable. You get really I might flip this table if you don't know who Dan Gable is. But um, his work ethic unbelievable yeah. and and Legendary. he brought that into as a wrestler he brought that in as a coach. And he was, I mean, great. He was technical and he was great. But his work ethic and the way he thought, I talked to guys like Mark Ironside and Mark would just talk about uh, the stadium runs they would have at Carver and stuff like that. But that's what Dave reminded me of. He just had that. um, He'd pull it out of you. God, it was like that dad you never want to disappoint. Hell, I don't want to do it now. Yeah. And he, he, we're both old men. It's uh, Dave's spirit, right? Because he does believe in you. He knows what you can do. And he knows that, that all of your improvement is on the other side of your, your horror about this situation. So he just pushes you further, pushes you further. And then right when you think it's over, he'll, he'll remind you it's it's not over and you're not even close. So don't even think about it. So good at bringing it. I I remember when I was, uh, when I was fighting, I think it was the one out. No. Yeah. Well, um, I don't know. There's one of them. And, uh, dude, I've been through some shit in my life. And, uh, I remember I because my job, I started a new job. I couldn't make hell week. Remember hell week? Yeah. And, uh, it was, I think it was, it was Derek Maiman world series of, uh, fighter. Runner, yeah, yeah. Fighter, but he was, he was up for a world title mm-hmm. or whatever you want to call it. Whatever title world series had, um, Steve Carl, who was the. Um, World Series. Champion. I don't know if he was at the time, but he was. No, not. I'm just saying these. These are the quality guys. At that like level. Ken McCullen, who yeah. fuck, dude, that guy was so big, so strong, and tough. And uh, 
and Austin Akers mm-hmm. do, did what he did. And um, I remember being put through hell between you and Dave. Dude, I, that, I didn't even get mentally broken more. That mentally broke me. I crawled off. And I know I sound like a big puss when I say this, but I crawled off. Remember, I was bawling. Yeah. Bawling. And uh, just mentally exhausted. And uh, you're nothing left. Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. I mean, I. All you can do is cry. I felt like I was fucking close to death. Yeah. And uh, but you guys, it is. But you guys, like, you guys brought that out. That's what Dave did. He just, he just had that mentality. And um, Shafe, you talk to him now. He's so energetic. He's so, he, you feel like you want to go for a fucking five mile run if I do that now. And then when you call get into an a fight, it's yeah. like, this isn't a big deal. That's, that's what I was getting at. And it, uh, what he was, what he was doing, what I didn't understand at the time, he was, he was, the fight was the easy. I remember saying that in one of my interviews when I got interviewed. It was, um, it was, when I have these type of guys in the gym, the fight's the easy part. Yeah. 15 better, minutes with one guy. You better be a bad motherfucker if you're going to beat me. And, and, the, and you'll earn my respect if yeah, you can. Yeah, if you beat me. I, and I've been on the losing end one time. But I'm not a believer but, yet. <laughs> no, but the guys we train with, dude, when I tell you I was scared, I was scared to come to practice. Like, fuck, I don't want to go through this. But we got good. Yeah. We got, you fought at the highest When level. you know you get through something like that, yeah. you look at a man a different way. Yeah. You're like, you're not four men. You're yeah. just a man. Yeah. And you, you've got fists and bones and power, but like, you're not going to, it's going to take a hell of a man or, or individual yeah. to, to, to beat me up. I, yeah. That's how prepared I am. That's why confidence comes from preparedness. Leave no stone unturned in your So training. let me ask this question. I've always wanted to ask you this question. This is all the questions I've been thinking about. I think I know who you're going to say, but who is the best fighter? that you have ever been around inside hard drive in what, like what respect, like just raw natural. Like you could say ability. Eric is the, the most decorated fighter out here. That's not, that's not even, nobody can argue that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, he's had the most tenure career. He's had the best career. He's a fucking great fighter. Um, but who would you say was the most rawest talent individual? You women guy, it don't matter who you've seen come out of hard drive. It don't have to be your brother. I mean, he's at the most accolades. We all know that. Mm-hmm. Who would you say? Just out of curiosity. Um, so you're just talking raw physical talent. Raw physical talent. Now, not, maybe he didn't live up to his potential. Not but. mentality or anything like yeah. that. Yeah. Jordan Sanford. I, I agree. Yeah. What a fucking gem, dude. Yeah. When a um, guy walks in and he's, he's, he's going toe-to-toe um, with me and, and the time grow. Maybe T-Dog, too. Who's T-Dog? Uh, Toronto Harris. Oh yeah, state champion wrestler from yep. Jefferson. Yep. Yeah, he didn't was... train for half a year. Still won a state title. He, he half um, a year. He did, he he had like thirteen matches. There there are so many people, and this isn't a specific knock on either of these two gentlemen, but there are some specific people that have, and you know, we've seen countless times, all of these gifts. Yeah. These like, why didn't I get that when I was starting yeah. in martial arts? Like. Uh, you know, Jordan, when I talked to Jordan, I was like, Jordan, where'd you box? Your hands look really good. And he's like, oh, I just played UFC. That's what he told me. I thought he, I thought, I thought, I thought, I thought he was I was, being I was like, I was like, no, seriously, Jordan. He's like, no, I, I seriously, like I've been in some scraps before, but that's it. And Dude, I'm just like, he's so good. I, I walked up the stairs and I went to you Yeah. and I went, that guy could be a world champion. champion. And we could be looking at him right now, but the, but you here's, right. here's the issue. Yeah. Um, this person this person with all this raw natural talent that we're talking about mm-hmm. um, was, his, what did I say? He's his own Almost biggest enemy. enemy. Yeah. He's yeah. he, yes, I see this raw talent, but I also see a, a likelihood in this young man yeah. to go down a path where it's squandered. Mm-hmm. 
And we've seen that. That's why when people talk to me about talent, I don't want to hear about talent. Yeah. Talent doesn't mean shit to me. Yeah. I've heard more about talent wasted than talent taken advantage of. Yeah. So what I, what I really have heard more of winning is hard work. Yeah. So if, if you're talented in an area, cross your lucky stars because yeah. someday you're going to fight somebody who's talented and that motherfucker is going to work. It happened. And if you don't work, you're going to get your ass kicked. When we kicked. fought for RFA. Mm-hmm. Yep. That was, that was a hard thing too. I, uh, you know, I always think back. I, I don't like living in the past. Sometimes I do. But I always think about if I would, where would I be at right now if I just said, I chose my family. That's what uh-huh. I chose because we were in the gym all the fucking time. And I chose my family. At that time, you were kind of set. Yeah, I was set. I won the Iowa belt or whatever it was, and then I fought for on the TV RFA. Proved right? what you needed to prove. Proved what it proved. Yep. Where would I be at if I didn't? Who knows? Yeah. But I got good at the. I was but, getting. I was getting but, there. Um, could have, would have, should have, yeah. maybe. But yeah. you could also be miserable. You could yeah, also gotten. Uh, you could have also given up huge amounts of financial opportunity yeah. for a very limited re- reward, yeah. and then got hurt really bad and not been able to fuck. That competitor walk. in me always wonders. Um, same with you. I've always wondered with you. You were extremely. I could have been. I could have been. Oh my a, god, Keely, um, you're so talented. I could have been. I, I, listen, I know this. Yeah. I know that I could have been a, a world title contender. Absolutely, champion. not even a question. I just didn't like competing. Yeah. I, actually, I take that back. Competing was actually pretty fun. Yeah. The training and the competition, the person that I was, yeah. the person that I behaved, the temperament that I had, yeah. the anger that I had, the mm-hmm. darkness that I kind of went to, to to manifest the wolf, so to speak, just didn't enjoy being there. Yeah. You know? And I used to like be, I used to go, you're just, be, you're just a pussy, yeah. aren't you? Yeah. And I was like, no, I'm mature enough to admit that this is not my shit. Yeah. I don't want the world championship. It'd be awesome. Yeah. Right. But I you don't fought want the guy that fought for the world champion. I, and arguably you beat him or well, regardless. Yeah. If we've talked about that fight in my last fight, if I would have won that fight, your life would be different right now. It'd be different. And I would have chased the UFC and there's a very, very good chance that yeah. you and I would not be having this conversation Probably right not. now yeah. because if I know what it takes to compete in the UFC, I've seen people doing it. I've seen world champions made. I know what it takes and what it takes is 100%. Yeah. It takes two to three workouts Absolutely. a day or active recovery. It, it takes committing a lifestyle to it. The lifestyle that I wanted to commit to is the very one that I'm living right now. Yeah. This is my dream that I'm in. Yeah. So for Max Holloway, it's being the greatest of all time mm-hmm. for, for these guys at the upper echelon. It's not about running a business. It's not about teaching kids, at least not when their fight career is going on. It's yeah. about one belt yep. and in getting broken orbitals yep. and breaking their hands and going through all this and getting who knows what CTE. We yeah. will find that out in coming years. Yep. I like to think that when all this is said and done, um, I'm going to be perfectly happy with precisely where I put yeah. myself. And it's interesting to go, oh man, well, if the decision would have went one point my way, I'd be in the UFC and yeah. maybe I'd be the one fighting for the title. And I'd be the one fighting for the title that yeah. really didn't want it. Yeah. So would I win? Probably not. Yeah. You know, I think, uh, gotta want it. Gotta believe it. It is. And I think, I think obviously it's kind of funny how life takes you and uh, God's got a plan for you. And I think that's kind of what, uh, or whatever your Don't life. Don't press your religion on me. <laughs> <laughs> whatever way, whatever way, whatever you believe has got a plan. But, um, uh, some of, so much of its choices though, right? Yeah. Like if you, choices. if you believe in God or if you, if, even if you just have faith, yeah. you know that you're given opportunities, but you're not given handouts. Yeah. You still you have earn, to, you don't deserve shit. You right. earn what you get. You, and you still have to make choices yeah. and generally people know what's right and wrong. Yep. And you know, when you make bad choices, you have to atone for them. 
I've made all kinds of bad choices. Yeah. But one thing that I have done um, with the gym for the last 20 years is tried to honor the idea mm-hmm. that me and my team originally had. Core values. Someday. Yep our kids are going to be on these mats yeah, and we're going to be done and just smiling at this life that we built. Yeah. And back then this was a fairy tale dream, but it was like, we were going to start working towards it. Now we're here and I don't regret a single bit of it, but what I will say is this, the entire time I was trying to honor my team. Yeah. And I've, I feel like now in this place, I've been honored by a few of them. Yeah. You, yeah. Bo, mm-hmm. my brother, mm. Um, some of the very Lonnie. hardcore Lonnie, mm-hmm. um, they're still around. Yeah. But a lot of the people that I talk to about this vision, about wanting this and mm-hmm. like having these hopes and dreams, they talked about wanting the same thing and wanting me to get those things. Yeah. And they're not here and they're not here yeah. to enjoy it. So it's difficult for me because the whole time I'm like trying to honor the symbol that we all have tattooed on us yeah. and it has so much reverence yep. and meaning in our lives. But I don't feel the same amount of commitment and backing has yeah. been given to me by some yeah. of those people yeah. who, who turn their back. And that's really what business taught me is um, this isn't a hobby. Yeah. And when you start a business and you own a business, mm-hmm. there are people who are going to hate your guts. Yeah. And it does not matter no. how nice you are. It doesn't matter how professional you are. It doesn't matter how reasonable and how communicative yeah. you are. There will be people that envy you or dislike you for seemingly no reason. Mm. And it's, it's when they say it's not personal, that's what they mean. Like I, I know a lot of business people now because I've been in business that when somebody gets all huffy puffy and mad, they don't even blink because tomorrow's tomorrow. And there's always going to be some critic out there. Yeah. And usually those critics, usually the naysayers, the haters, the kind of toxic people we've had in the gym, they want to see you fail because they know that they could never do what you do. Yeah. And yeah. so when you're on top in this position that they don't think you deserve or they're upset about the position that they're in that they don't think they deserve, yeah. they project all this hate on you. Mm. And I know what that hate is. Yeah. I know they don't hate me. It's either envy or jealousy yeah. or self-loathing about themselves. Yeah. Because I'll tell you what, if you won the lottery mm. and you were like, Keone, I'm moving to Florida. This mm. is my dream. I'm happy. I'm going to be with my kids. I'd be like, well, fuck, uh, help me figure out this gym thing <laughs> first. <laughs> yeah. But I'm happy for you. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. this is success. Like, if you're my friend, if you're somebody that I want to see grow, yeah. even if it sucks a little for me, yeah. I am truly happy yeah, for yeah. you. And that's how it should be. It, it's how it should be. Yeah. But what business will teach you is that's not how everybody yeah. is. The laws of human nature dictate that people at times of weakness can be very shitty. My sister said this uh, the other day. I was listening to I was talking to her, and she said, you know, because I've struggled with people like I just didn't understand because I'm not a I'm not a hateful person I'm not a if you know anything about me I'm probably the most caring people and I and I truly want to see people win like I am so thrilled when one of our athletes like wins oh Jesus how many times did I call your wife about this damn track shit because uh, our seven because <laughs> our, our, our lead athletes are winning and they're and they're having fun and uh I, I I truly like seeing people succeed I like seeing people um um, biggest everybody's biggest cheerleader. What I say to people is fuck them. If they if they don't uh, if they don't want to be a part of that, then th- that's why I appreciate our tight circle that we have. Yeah, um, that's what business will do, right? It'll oh, yeah. make your circle, circle so small and tight. What's crazy to see is what a lot of people don't know is is the basement. It started in a basement, and now a basement have, like this. Room. Yeah, 
But then now we have a 10,000 square foot facility, a great family atmosphere. Across the street, we got another 10,000 square foot or square foot facility, and that's even now we're now we're catapulting into like um, strength conditioning, and so we have the complete package and 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 football and and, and track and all these athletes coming over. Now they hell they don't even know what that HD symbol means, but. How great is that? It, it doesn't matter. Isn't that cool? Did you ever just sit back and just take I, a look I at it? I do it every yeah. day. I yeah. do it every day. And whenever somebody comes in here, um, whenever somebody makes an excuse mm-hmm. or whenever somebody comes and asks me what motivates me, it's it's going, you see all this. Mm-hmm. This isn't college. This isn't me getting a bunch of money inherited from my parents. The, exactly the opposite. This is hard work. Mm-hmm. But but really, if you boil it down, it's an idea. You're self-made. Yeah. I'm self Both are. Now, now there are going to be some snowflakey people out there that go, it takes a village. And it does. Yeah, absolutely. But, but villages don't work in a concentrated direction mm-hmm. for 20 years. Mm-hmm. That's what I did. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely had the help of many people. But this absolutely would not be here without me. And I used to not say that. Mm-hmm. But now I'm just saying mm-hmm. it because I'm fucking tired of <laughs> dealing with some yeah, of this bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but... I do that all the time. I do it every day. I, I go, okay, so I have now kids I don't know. Yeah. I'm never going to know. Yeah. That are training under the, uh, across the street under the HD banner yeah. that are now excelling at track. Yeah. Or volleyball or mm. swimming or equestrian or all kinds of shit. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They'll never know about the time Devin sliced his uh, heel open on an open metal outlet in my basement. Yeah. They'll never know about the time that uh, Bo shot in a takedown on Eric and put Eric's ass literally through the drywall into the other room. Um, they don't have to know. Yeah. The the passion of those guys, yep. of those uh, original founding the blood, fathers, sweat, and tears, man, has now manifested into a huge martial arts studio. That again, if like you said, if we close this tomorrow, thousands of people throughout the last twenty years have been positively affected by the experience of what hard drive is yeah. and was. Um, we have all these athletes across the street getting, you know, offers to colleges mm-hmm. because of their athletic work. That athletic work uh, done by Courtney and Blake and, mm-hmm. and the coaches over mm-hmm. there doesn't have anything to do with those five guys. Doesn't yeah. need to. Yeah. It's uh, what it is. What I liken it to is back then I had an idea in my mind. Yeah. And that idea was a pebble. Yeah. And I rolled that pebble through the snow. Yeah. And uh, now, it's just. Yeah snowballed yep. Yep. it's now it's bigger than any of us it's yep. bigger than you it's bigger than me it's bigger than anyone and it's humbling because yeah. that's an impact on the world if we if we stopped right now we would have impacted the world now it's how, I think do how I many people this? we employ in this great city well um you know compared to some of the big ones yeah but but, but we it's it's cool to say hey you are a passionate martial artist right yeah. do you want to make money just doing what you love mm-hmm. to do because that's what I wanted to do for a long time, yeah. and it took a fucking long time to yeah. do it. So to just be able to get, we gave out opportunities to somebody recently that kind of like threw it back in our face. Mm-hmm. That happens from time yeah. to time. You learn those things in business. But um, to see where it is now and to see who it's affecting and to wonder, we, uh, you know, when, it, when things get really down, this is what I think. Somebody has the hard drive logo on their grave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That means a lot. Oh, yeah. When somebody when somebody's family said hard drive means so much to us, our family and the departed, mm. that we're going to immortalize it on their gravestone. Yeah, that's Seth, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
that's a that's a really really big deal yeah you know so we've impacted ways but the the beauty and the the, the awesome thing about this is when somebody comes to me and they have an excuse mm-hmm. i just look at them and go <laughs> come on man yeah you can't pull that shit on me. Yeah. I've had to go, I've had the 401ks and the IRAs and the jobs and the stress and all on the line and living in poverty Yeah. because I believed in something and it came to be. Yeah. So when somebody comes to me and says, I can't, or it won't ever happen, I go, okay, well then it won't. Yeah. You've made your choice. Yeah. I made my choice a long time ago Yeah. and it was hell. I almost quit over and over and over and over. But I think you know pretty what? sure we quit like once a month. Yeah. Maybe? yeah. But I kept telling myself, yeah outlast him yeah but what would gable do oh yeah he'd keep working Absolutely. he would suck it up he'd quit being a little bitch mm-hmm. and he'd do it and, and quit having this little sad sack you know pity party yeah. for yourself and just do the work because someday you're going to be so good and so experienced yeah. there's nobody left to compete with you yeah that's where we're at now yeah we are there's nobody in town that can compete with us there's mm-hmm. nobody that has the experience yeah. level that's a testament and um I can say humbly to the idea that I had and the work that I did, but also the collective. Yeah. If I didn't have the Bose, the, the use, the Damien's, yeah. the Eric's, these people here, yeah. we would just be a regular school with some quasi experienced coaches yeah. in a subpar program. If we, the, the awesome thing about hard drive is if we can keep this thing going for five years and just get, keep people getting along. <laughs> yeah. If we can manage that, first of all, we're a master of what we do. No shit. But we could have one of the best teams on the planet Earth. Yeah. We really could. We're starting to get, what you're starting to see now is we're getting ath- great athletes coming to train with us now. And yeah. which I think is really good. They're uh, they're seeking us out. And, now. you know, it's like having Biggie's been a great bit addition. Yeah. He's intelligent. He's smart. He's hardworking. Um, uh, Eric, I tell you what, I mean, you want to talk about a, a coach. He is just. He's enthusiastic. He's he. God, those guys. People love him. He's a really, really, really good coach. Well, let's look at the products. Oh, oh my God. Look at that. Look at the Alex. Look at Sam, a kid yeah. that comes in, loses his first fight, toughs it out, comes back, boom, beautiful storm. head kick knockout. Um, there are all kinds of people on that team whose yeah. talent is just dripping out of them. Yeah. Um, the, the jiu-jitsu team, the kickboxing team, Lonnie told me when he came to my basement, this was before we went to Valhalla, during the, where, where I was back in town yeah, and yeah. I had my green basement in my parents' house. Um, I go, okay, well, what are your goals? Well, well I want to get better on the ground. I'm, I have Taekwondo, but I know you guys are better on yeah. the ground and I need that. Okay, cool. What's your ultimate goal, though? Well, I want to honor my Taekwondo instructor, Master Saiso, and I want to open up my own dojo someday and teach myself, yeah. and that's why I'm getting into MMA. Well, who would have thought Lonnie yeah. stuck around? Is How many years of, ago was that? Oh, shit. Dude, 15? I don't, no, but like it was a long time ago. Yeah. It was right before we moved to um, Valhalla. Yeah. Um, which I want to say 2007 or something. Long time. But uh, that's what he wanted to do. And he fought and he had some big wars and he, be, he beat some people that tough. were high level competitors, was right? Yeah. And we had conversations about being intelligent fighters and mm-hmm. recognizing and respecting our age. And I said, everybody in the gym should have a guy or a girl mm-hmm. that says, Hey, it's time. Yeah. You're done. Mm-hmm. And when they say it, mm-hmm. you have to listen. It yep. doesn't matter what the competitor in you says. You have to Your entrust that to one person. Not. Right. And so, um, he fought and he fought and I questioned it and I talked to him about it, but he said he still had one left. And then on his last fight, he won by triangle. Yeah. He had never won by submission. 
in his life and he won by triangle and he he tried for it was like that john kennedy i don't remember yeah um but i know that he won by triangle and he got up and he celebrated and he had a couple tough losses before that and he had a lot of great wins but um he won and like the fact that he won by submission to me said you have evolved as a martial oh, artist yeah. There's no need for you to yep. keep chasing this thing down yep. and beating yourself up at oh, your yeah. age. And I told him, and that was it. Yeah. Now he's a, an amazing kickboxer. And, um, and, and, he, and he's got this program that he's worked diligently for. And again, like, where would we be without guys like him? Um, I think back to the team we used to have, and I go, man, if you guys could have stayed around <laughs> and been positive, the, the, the sky's the limit. Yeah. But what what the people did that are still here yeah is they believed they had faith in me they yeah. they felt like together we could accomplish yeah. this when people lost faith they had no reason they felt like they were going to get no benefit from it it was mm. easy to turn on me or turn on other people yeah. but you know you adopted half of this uh business and started taking the work on and immediately started catching heat yeah you know, you went from everybody's buddy to why is this to a filter for yeah. bullshit, and every business owner deals with that. Yeah, um, but it is tough. And when people, you know, uh, I post pictures on Instagram of these amazing places that my wife plans to mm. Costa Rica, and there are people out there. I know there are that are looking at this, going, "Man, must be nice. Yeah. He's capitalizing from the work we did back in the day." Never knowing that I don't pay a red cent for these vacations yeah. that Kojo saves for six months for them. Yeah. But they make these assumptions. Look at them. They're going on vacation. And I can get I get it because at one point I might have done the same thing. Yeah. But what is perception? Perception is they're living the good life in Costa Rica on the company's dime. Yeah. What is reality? I didn't spend a dime of the company's money and I clean shitters three times <laughs> a week. That's the fucking reality. That's what the that's what the, the thing was is when I took over is like they had no idea. How in the fuck were you living? I, I got to ask you that because I, man. I almost died. Dude, I'm telling you. Like, literally, I I know what you were bringing in when you, you want me to share it or no? Should I not share it? Shit, whatever. Okay. You're 1800 but Was it 1800 bucks? That's what you were netting. Yeah. And then take out all the utilities and bills and all that stuff. I, I remember talking to Jasmine. I'm like, I, what the fuck I just got myself into? Like, What I did was I worked for other people. Yeah. I went to work at a job yeah. so that I didn't have to take money from the gym yeah. so that I could pay gym, gym bills. So you can imagine how disheartening it was to Jesus. get here and then to have people claiming that I had a gold stash somewhere at my fucking house. It's fucking house. nuts. It, it really like, and I, you know, I remember talking to a certain person, I can say names. I think everything's kosher with him now, but, um, I remember saying like, bro, I, I'm telling you right now, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. The one thing you won't catch me fucking doing is lying. And I said, uh, I don't know how the fuck he was living. So that guy is telling the truth. Week to week. I was week, I was week to week and I wasn't sleeping. And that's why With I get so upset about it. That's why I was like, and... I had, you know, there's pictures of me when we went into that, um, that property on Oakland. Not the one that, not the Chatham building, but the one that I put all that money to and then got fucked in court. Oh over. yeah, yeah, yeah. I got pictures of the kids, uh, Ronan as a toddler. Yeah. Laying on a concrete floor. With dark drywall dust all around him, yep. and he's watching a movie on my shit while I work at three, like you know, three. We're all there. They blame me over there. There's like they grew up. Yeah, they've all grown up, and right. that's why they they help. They respect the shit out of this gym. I uh, um, I don't want to keep you all night, but yeah, they're um, it's been this has been a you know some people just never know. They'll just never know what the hell you've been through and what that HD logo means, and that's why I've always been what I've been and how loyal I've been to the, the place. Um, been through a lot of shit. 
Yeah. More than people will ever know. And that's the thing. Um, when people get upset or people flame me now or whatever mm. the case may be, yeah. I used to get really upset about it and go, you don't have any idea. Yeah. Now I just go, you don't have any idea. Yeah, fuck them. Yeah, that's like, the way I really, I, I, I really I, I'm not going to sit here and justify it to you because you'll never understand my perspective. You think I'm living like a movie star or rock star, and I'm, I can't stress this enough. I'm literally scraping shit out of the inside of a toilet in a public bathroom yeah. because that's what business owners sometimes have to do. And I think any business owner will tell you that, like the, 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 the rich are the rich and the poor are the poor. Uh, I think of a guy named like Dan Bernanke who has Dan's overhead door. Mm-hmm. He, I remember his, his uh, daughter was best friends with my daughter or my wife in high school and I'm really good friends with her uh, husband Brad I remember that story of that you know they didn't have shit and what he's evolved to like I like that is family owned business yeah it's just amazing to watch because it it grows and grows where the fuck are we going to be at 10 years 15 years who knows shit it might be one of our kids that'll run this jam right and they're going to make us look stupid because we know what the hell we were doing well in a time when people don't think that there's any opportunity in the world I like to remind people of this. This was a very difficult journey for me, yeah. respectively. Yeah. Um, I had to put all this money, all this time, all these sleepless nights mm-hmm. into this for decades. Yeah. Most people just, yeah. they won't do it that yeah. long. I totally get why people go into business and then seven years in are like, fuck this, I'm out. Yeah. Because it's exhausting. We have family friends uh, that have known us for a long time, yeah. named the Hosseinis. Um, they're from Iran. Yeah. In the 80s, they're Baha'is. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were kind of keeping this under wraps. Well, somebody found out about it. And at the time, the Ayatollah Khomeini was in power there, and they were not tolerant of other religions at all in Iran. So Baha'is specifically um, were being targeted and killed and hung in mm-hmm. the streets in Tehran and stuff. Well, uh, Rahola, the father, has a friend come over that's in the military, and he's like, hey, they are coming here tomorrow morning. You guys, you need to go. Mm. And, and wherever you go, don't come back yeah. because they're going to kill you for yeah. being Baha'is. Um, Rahola packs up all his shit, packs up his kids. He's got two or three kids at the time and his wife, everything that they can carry, and they head to the mountains in Iran. And they, f- they get to the border in the middle of the night, and they, they, they seek political asylum from religious persecution. They get it. They come to America. They have zero dollars. Mm-hmm. They have some a small amount of public funding or public support. Um, now the son owns multiple laundromats, multiple businesses. They, they achieved just wealth. Mm. And when they came to America, they went, what? It's this easy. Yeah. I'll, I'll be, I'll be wealthy. I know it for a fact. Yeah. Because they came from a place where that opportunity didn't exist. Yeah. So when they came to, to America, they recognized it. And as much as I shit on the, the American political spectrum, I still must recognize that in this country, I'm walking proof of it. Mm. If you have an idea and you work hard and you're passionate and you're positive, you manifest your destiny. This is a dream. It was an idea, an electrical impulse in my brain that I worked towards, focused, and it became a reality. So a lot of people are uh, entitled. They're privileged. They're a little spoiled in today's generation. They want instant gratification. The idea of working for 20 years for something isn't attractive. For me, I look at it like this. I worked 20 years of my life. I establish a legacy, and a, that legacy lives forever. Yeah. If I work for somebody else for 20 years of my life, mm-hmm. I take whatever legacy I could work towards and just kind of daily throw it away, yeah. throw it away, yep. throw it away. I would rather be remembered after I'm dead yeah. than seen while I'm alive. Yeah. So 
um, the idea of sitting in an office was like, I felt like cattle. Yeah. I felt like I wasn't honoring myself. I wasn't being genuine with myself. And I accepted a long time ago that the road was going to be rough and I was going to be living in shitty houses from time to time or for a while. Yeah. But someday mm -hmm. we would get to where we are now. And despite all of the bullshit that we've went through and all of the people we feel like we've been sold out or that have slandered us, yeah. just uh, unbelievably blessed yeah. to have the experience that we've had Absolutely. and to be able to see this thing yeah. happen. This, is, yeah. this gives people hope because yeah. they know yeah. if this can be done, Anything can be done. Yeah, I think both of us are very much a success story. I, you know, people ask, well, because I'm, I'm a pretty big, I'm busy guy. And uh, I know people are like, when the hell do you sleep? You got four businesses now. And you have a full, I still got a full-time job. Um, sleep? Yeah, I sleep what standing do you mean? up for 30 minutes, What right? are you talking about? That's, but here's what I don't want. I don't want to be 80 years old. That's the last thing I'll say. Because I don't want to be 80, 85 years old. And um, lay on my deathbed and think, shoulda, woulda, coulda. Yep. I watched my grandfather, the guy that I look up to the most, perfect credit his entire life, died broke. Because mm -hmm. he never, never took a risk. That's one thing I learned from him, not to be. He's never took a risk. One risk in his life, he never did. He didn't take it. He just, just I don't know what he did. But what did he get him? He died. I won't say broke, but he died. He died broke. Yeah, not did, wealthy. No, not yeah. wealthy. No, I mean, like, didn't have enough money to put him in the ground. Yeah. And um, very good with money. Very, very strict. But, like, he just never took a risk. I want to live like I never wanted to live like that. I want to take a risk. Okay, okay, I fail. Okay, I fail. So what? I yeah, move on. Yeah, well, my, and that's I'm, what fighting teaches us. Yeah, like, absolutely. You're, you're going to lose. Yeah. So what are you going to do when you lose? Yep. There's... The quitting happens when you quit. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. If you if you lose and you learn mm -hmm. and that goes on to be victory later, then we're just talking about a matter of time. Yeah. And some people just aren't willing to wait yeah. for that time yeah. or they spend their whole life yeah. doing it. You know what we should talk about in the next podcast? Our favorite MMA stories. Mm. There's some there's some great fights out there. I, well, the thing is, if we did that, I'd have to write them down because there's well, of course, some shit. Come prepared. There's some crazy shit. Like the time Lonnie went to fight for a title and the championship ran out of the champion ran out of the venue because he was scared of Lonnie. How about this one? How about when I was fighting Blake for the title and the lights turned off? Or how about when it rained? Yeah. And uh, and everybody everybody was dropping out left and right. Were you you were there? Yeah, you cornered me for that. Yeah. Everybody was cornering out and they're like, I trained my ass off for that fight. The and they go, Brent, do you want to fight? I go, dude, I'll fight him in the fucking don't, grass. Don't you remember what I said? How like they know. were, they were talking about everybody was pulling out of the fight yeah. and they were like, well, I don't want to fight on this rainy surface. And I'm like, I looked, I think it was Nick Merritt. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, I'll tell you what, these motherfuckers put in eight weeks and they'll fight on fucking oil. Yeah. yeah. I don't give a shit what it is. Oh, like yeah. if we lose because somebody slips, we're, we're ready for anything. So we'll go right now. So I think he was going to pull out and then he's like, let's do it. Cause he got pissed. Cause what I said, yeah. and then we go to touch gloves. Boom. Lights go out. Do you remember that? Yeah. Lights go out. And I'm yep. like, what the hell? How about the time Ken Ken McClellan fought a dude that was like 300 and he he belly he body. Went to Florida, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He he picked him. He like body 
yeah. locked him belly to belly and put him down. That should probably be our next. It that should be our next. Caved one. in the floor yeah. and they had to shut everything down. And Lendick's like, I don't know if I can fight. They had to like, it was crazy, man. That, There's a lot of good ones. That'd be fun. That'd be a fun yeah. podcast. So we get maybe Bo or somebody like that and talk about it. But well, it's been fun. Uh, Absolutely, I, I appreciate you coming on, and uh, I don't think we'll even need too much editing. I'll just throw this thing up there for the most part. We didn't say anything too scandalous. I don't think. No, I we could we could have went all in, but um, we, we had a couple really, guest appearances by Ronan. We had some we had some flybys by uh, RTK too cool for his own self. Ronan Var <laughs> gives two shits that uh, pops us in a podcast. Yeah, he doesn't care, and it's all good. That's part of the coke culture, I guess. Yeah, uh, but uh, it's been yeah, man, it's been a real treat. Yeah. Uh, you know, having you as a friend and oh, a business partner, and yeah. seeing our kids grow. You know, yeah. that's been kind of the yeah. really cool thing is you know seeing Blaine and Mia and Peyton when they're all like this in that old building at Chatham up playing like. Nintendo 64 in the back room, yeah. and now they're grown ass adults. Relationships. Basically. They got boyfriends now. They got Blaine running around chasing posses, just like it's my damn dad. Posse. Playing football. It's just like. The, the, the fact that the word posse hasn't come up more is probably going to disappoint some of the listeners. Do you want me to like go on a five minute posse? Uh, Save that for our cap next time. <laughs> oh, shit. You're tired. I don't want you making any suspect decisions. It happens from time to time. Oh, so, um, all right, brother. A lot Thank of fun, you. brother. Appreciate Love it, you, man. Yep, and uh, I'll see you tomorrow, and we'll probably have some fire to put out. Absolutely. So, cool. Good all right, stuff. brother. Later. Three hours and fifteen.